Punching my face with his fingers. One time. Kicking my ass with his legs. Two time. Killing me Chongli, he's so strong. Killing me Chongli. Chongli. Like Chongli, yeah, the the pre- yeah. the antagonist of this film in uh-huh. in some way. He's yeah. bad cuz he murders in a murder contest. <laughs> what a bad guy <laughs> doing the thing that you're allowed to do. What an asshole. Killing me Chongli. Killing me Chongli. <laughs> yeah, wow. I I guess Listen, I mean, if if we're talking about dramatic moments in which people are murdered, Chong Lee, he'll kill you dramatically. I'll tell you. Oh that. yeah, in oh, front yeah. of an audience. I like to imagine before they started filming some of those scenes, um, Bolo, like you know, turned to the director and he's like, "How would you like for me to like perform this this kick?" And the director right. like probably like scratched his chin and he was like, "Try it, very Chong Lee. Try it, Chong Lee." Yeah, okay. and he just looks All at right, him like, it. uh-huh, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> I'll try to do it more chonglier. Yeah, gotcha, I'll do it more chong. Like, come on. Yeah. What do you mean, like Tommy Chong? Uh, yeah, right. Dick. <laughs> What's that about? <laughs> hey there, kids, it's the brand newest installment of Dead and Lovely, featuring the host with the most spear good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. And we are here taking a break from the horrors of aura films. That way uh-huh. we can enjoy action August. Action August. Explosions. Kapow. Boom. Aliens and sounds and stuff. Gunfire. I'm just going to go with that. I'm not even going to add any special like nah. lasers to it or anything. Or yeah. <laughs> Like that was pretty special as it is. You know? That was pretty good, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good. Now, you know, if you're listening to the show, maybe for the first time, because you see that we're talking about a Bloods port today, I need to let you know, this is usually a horror film discussion podcast, but for the past couple of years, we've taken to doing Ash in August. Ash in August. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> boom, boom. Where uh, we take a break from the the spooky stuff and just talk about some action flicks. So you're getting something a little bit different than usual today. I encourage you to check out the previous years of Action August because there are some really fun episodes in there of some great mm-hmm. action flicks. One hundred percent. I I love doing this too because uh, yeah. Well, I mean the thing is that like action movies are uh, very often, especially in the eighties, so adjacent to horror movies. I mean this is like canon group that released so many awesome horror movies and so many direct-to-video awesome action movies like i i love when we get to talk about this stuff and then i'm researching it and i'm like oh oh i see the connections to other shit we've done right totally you know yeah so it's a lot of fun to do these and if you want to get straight on to us talking about the movie there's a timestamp for you in the podcast description we typically shoot the shit catch up do a little fun themed segment and crack open a co-beer before we get there though so stay for a while take off your socks and shoes and hang <laughs> out with chill boys yeah get, get you relaxed over there you know yeah. maybe light up a candle i got a candle lit right now oh do you are you davy stranger in it Oh, man, not quite that dramatic. I don't have the candelabra out. I just have a nice little Uh um, amber and bergamot candle that I got from, I believe, like a a TJ Maxx or a Home Goods store. uh That's how you want to do it. Yeah, get it. That is how I want to do it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's right, man. That's right. 
Dude, it's uh, it's been a very, very fun week, man. If you guys were maybe listening to our episode um, on Serial Mom last week, you may have noticed I sounded very burnt out. <laughs> you were. You were. It's because I you were. You through it. I, I mean, like, I knew uh, going into the episode that you're a little, little bit tired. Can't tell in the episode. Can't tell. All right. That's yeah. good, man. That's good. Yeah, I was definitely burnt out because I I do not understand how to have a work and uh, life balance. And it's something that I'm trying to work on. And right. I have gotten better at, but I can continue to become better at it. We had ourselves uh-huh. a amazing, fucking fantastic trip lined up with some friends to go to Mexico City. We left the day after we recorded that episode. So uh-huh. as we were recording that one, I was kind of swamped with trying to get everything ready for our trip and getting ahead of the game with all my work and all that kind of stuff. So I was a little bit fried. But, man, I need to go back and listen to this to remind myself, hey, dude, you have a ton of fun when you stop working and go places and do stuff with cool people. <laughs> and you're yeah. Like, just chill out. You're going to have a great time. Quit thinking about fucking work all the time. I'm working somebody, on it. I'm getting better. Somebody out there, go through the podcast and find, yeah. make a compilation of every time Ben has this revelation after a vacation. Yeah. Oh, they're fun? <laughs> what? Every time. Every huh? time you're telling me about a vacation, you're like, oh, man, I am just fucking swamped. Like, I can't believe yeah. I'm going on vacation. And I'm like, I don't know, man, give it a shot. And then you come back and you're like, you know what? Vacations, man. You got to do them. Know. Yeah. Have yeah, it's cool. Time. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. Man. What what'd y'all yeah. get up to? Dude, we had such a fucking good time. And I, I totally apologize to everybody around me for dealing with me being a, a crazy person uh, moving ah. up to when we left and stuff. But it was an amazing time. Mexico City fucking rules, dude. It is such a cool Rad. town. And like once again, I encountered this thing that happened whenever we went for the first time last year, where, like, you tell people in America, it's like, hey, you know, I'm going to Mexico City for a week or whatever. And there's two different responses. One Uh, is the person who has never been to Mexico City, and they inevitably say, oh, my gosh, be careful. It's dangerous. uh, Watch out what you eat. Oh, you sure you want to do that? uh And that's 100% just people who have never fucking been there. Right. And then you talk to people who have been there and they go, oh, dude, sick, man. You're going to have a great time. Check out this yeah. and this and this and this. Yeah, I'd love to go. Man, I've, uh, 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 I have dream vacations in my head going to Mexico. So I, I'd love to hear what you got up to. I know you ate some food. That's for sure. Oh, my God, man. I'm telling you what. We had some absolutely absurdly fantastic food. Um, one of the highlights of which was this place that we went to called... Limosneros. That's L-I-M-O-S-N-E-R-O-S. Limosneros. It's like the word for like uh, like beggars is essentially what that word means okay. in Spanish. And it was recommended to us by the legendary MJ of Seymour Duncan Pickups. If you're a guitar player, you might know who that is. She's a legendary pickup winder from Mexico. Okay. We wound pickups for basically all of our favorite guitar players. And uh, I met her recently at Sweetwater, and she recommended we go to this place. And it was un goddamn believable oh okay my god i'm talking like one of the best meals i've ever had in my entire life maybe the best period insane uh, wow all right i yeah that sounds great to me <laughs> like, oh my fuck. god dude what, what, what type of food you got fantastic. we had um i had a variety of tacos 
And they were like slightly upscale, slightly bougie, but still made in very traditional Mexican ways. There was like a pulled rabbit taco with this incredible okay. like chili concoction on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had an, a, a pork belly al pastor, so it was like a very upgraded al okay. pastor taco. The guacamole was insane. And then, dude, like the real just tour de force was the fucking desserts. We ordered like three desserts among the five of us, and it was unreal dude they had this thing get this your food guy too so i know you'll probably just like freak out over this okay they had this dessert that was just called the sweet taco which was like a rotating seasonal thing but they had a sweet taco dessert the shell was like like a thin crispy gingerbread right okay sounds great it had a like dulce de leche center to it okay it had shreds of um Oh fuck! What is the name of that cheese? It starts with a G. It's not like Gorgon. It's not Gorgonzola. It's a uh, fuck. Uh, Gouda. Go, go, Gouda. Go. Yeah, it had like okay. shre- like shredded Gouda, Gouda. Okay. on top of it, and a goat cheese ice cream served next to it. Okay. Now so I typically hate huh. anything goat. I hate goat stuff. I hate goat milk. Oh, you I do. Hate goat cheese. I do. You just hate goats. Mad at them. I don't like them. I don't like. Them. They're <laughs> of the devil. I say. I okay, that makes sense. I get it. I but get it. the combination of the sweet, salty, spice. Oh my god! It yeah. was out of control. Just yeah, that's ridiculous, man. Definitely sounds like something I could get into, honestly. I'm telling when you, you say Gouda, I was like, how's that going to tie together? Salt. But it's with salt the, content. the goat cheese ice cream, especially, like, yeah, I could see that all working together. Hell yeah, man. Unreal. Unreal, man. If you want to have a perfect time in Mexico City, get uh, yourself a late lunch, early dinner reservation there, and then get yourself a reservation to go to Handshake. Handshake is a speakeasy. It is the number two rated cocktail bar in the Americas. Uh-huh. And it was un-goddamn believable. Unreal. Okay. Like, between all of us, we had... Okay, there were six of us drinking there. We each ordered two drinks. One of them was so good that it got repeated. So we sampled 11 different cocktails among us. Everybody was kind of <laughs> okay. sharing sips and Hell stuff. Yeah. Dude. Like... It destroys any cocktail bar I've ever been to in my entire life. Like, usually when you go to a really great cocktail place, they'll have, like, one drink that's Uh amazing, incredible. You got to get this one. And then everything else is like, yeah, they do a good this, a good that. Every one of these drinks was, like, the one where you'd go, dude, if you're going there, you have to have this. What I'm saying is if you got a handshake, you have to have, like, a dozen different drinks. You're going to (laughs) die, but it's got to be awesome. Well, hell yeah. They have a brown butter and mushroom old-fashioned now the mushroom thing threw me off i was like is it gonna be super earthy super like dirty tasting you know um the brown butter richness it was like a brown butter washed whiskey that was Uh in it okay it was sweetened with maple and it Mm. just had a little bit of this mushroom to kind of like ground it and it had like a walnut bitters in there too okay oh my fucking god unreal and they had this other one that was called the scotch e honey And it it had like two different blends of scotches. It had like a Johnny Walker blue and a Isla scotch or Isla, Isla, you know what I mean. Uh Uh And it had like a banana infused vermouth, which is like, what? Banana with scotch? Uh Never would have thought to have done that. Uh, And it had like honey in there and like a little orange um, peel on the top of it. Yeah. Probably the best cocktail I've ever had in my entire life. And you don't like scotch. 
No, and I don't even really get into scotch wow. at all. Holy this shit. This is probably the best drink I've ever fucking had. Wow. Okay. God, I, that sounds awesome then. I, I got to try Unreal. that. Off and I honestly, go. the prices aren't nuts. Like, the prices aren't yeah. crazy. And unless you order off of, they have a section of the menu that's called Vintage, where they have like cocktails that are made with extremely old stuff. So, oh, I see. Um, one of my buddies got the 100-year-old hanky-panky. So it's a hanky-panky made with, it was like Fernet from the 1930s. Holy shit. Um, gin from the 1930s and a red vermouth that was from like the 19-fucking-50s, dude. Wow. It tasted okay. insane. Insane. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's awesome, man. I, I can't even imagine what that tastes like. like Phenomenal. Wow. Cool, man. Hell yeah. So have yourself a perfect day. Do that stuff. Other just like cool little things that we did, I got to tell you about. We did a balloon ride over the the pyramids. Oh, yeah? Hot air balloon ride. Fucking amazing. Oh, my God. Had to get up at like ass crack of dawn to do it, but Uh who cares? It was so fucking cool. Went to a bunch of museums. Dude, found uh, a Mexican artist I'd never heard of that is like now one of my favorite dudes ever. His name is Arnaldo Cohen, C-O-E-N. So this guy's been doing work since like the 50s or 60s and they had like a wide variety of his stuff on display and it's like every decade of his work looks like he got into a different drug extremely heavily. <laughs> so like <laughs> okay. his 60s stuff is like super psychedelic acidy stuff. His 80s stuff is like cocaine fucking fueled surrealist mania. His uh-huh. 90s stuff got a little darker and more heroiny. Like it's it's dope. His stuff All is right. so fucking cool, man. Check his shit out. Okay. And uh one of the coolest things that we that we went and saw, maybe not coolest, but it was something, man. We went to the the Museum of the Inquisition. Okay. Which promised to be a museum full of, you know, stuff about the Spanish Inquisition in Mexico, right. full full of like, you know, props and torture devices and uh, all this kind uh, of shit that yeah, they yeah. used. It was like straight out of Gatlinburg, Tennessee. It was <laughs> it was amazing. Dude, we knew that we were going to be in for a treat when you walk in and you know, you buy your tickets or whatever and they it's like a guided tour with like audio like on earbuds, you know? Yeah. And the player that they give you to go along with it is absolutely one of those like circa 2001 like mp3 sticks that you know holds like 15 of your favorite songs <laughs> <laughs> okay gotcha it was fucking shot to shit so it goes through and you're looking at all these like you know like shitty mannequins and like reenactments on a screen of like stuff that was going on in the inquisition um uh-huh. most of the stuff they had on the tv screen they had definitely just ripped off from like history channel documentaries for sure Um, And in some cases, even just stolen from movies. Like, there was one that we were standing there watching, and we were like, is that Javier Bardin? That's totally him. (laughs) Just snippets of stuff that went along with the audio, kind of, sort of. So it's this huge tour about all the horrific, inhumane, psycho killer shit that, you know, the Spanish did in the name of Jesus and stuff, right? Right, Uh uh-huh. And then you get to the very end... And, like, the last five minutes of it are, like, 
But don't forget, Jesus died for your sins. He's the way, the truth, and the light. <laughs> so definitely do everything he says. It's like, it's a weird way to turn me into a fan of old JC, dude. <laughs> it would be like going on like a, 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 a Dahmer tour and at the end, them being yeah. like, and Dahmer's the way, the truth, and the life. So. Yeah, dude. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it was really hilariously bad, man. It was, it was awesome. Worth doing uh fucking fantastic time i'm back home now and i'm trying to i'm honestly like reevaluating how to maintain my work and life balance it's difficult as i've said in the past when i love what i do so much it's hard not to work because i love work so much you know yeah Uh, Mm -hmm. but i've got to figure it out because i you know again remember that like i love doing things with my friends and my wife and traveling with my wife and doing stuff and not just being focused on work all the fucking time. So I'm going to make some steps to get better about it, I promise. And any time that I'm going absolutely fucking crazy because I know I have a trip or something coming up, um, I'm going to remind myself to go back and listen to this. And right. remind myself, <laughs> hey, future Ben. Yeah, have a good time. Yeah, you're going to have a great time. Chill yeah. the fuck out. It'll be fine. So <laughs> that's enough about that. I had an amazing time. Obviously, that's didn't awesome. have time to watch anything. What have you been doing? Uh, boy, well, you know, we, uh, we haven't been up to much. It's been pretty hot here. Can't really get outside too much. Uh, but we have been watching some fun stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. We picked up some stuff from the old, uh, uh, movie madness here in Portland and also just watched some stuff on the old streaming services, including one Bob's burgers movie. Nice dude. So fun. Yeah, Anna, Anna is working her way through Bob's Burgers and just got to the part where the movie happened. So we finally got to watch the movie. It was my first time rewatching it. Uh, man, it's really fun. It's super fun, man. Yeah. All the musical bits are so good. It's it's Bob's Burgers, dude. It's going to make your day better. Yeah. Actually, it might have been my second time rewatching it now that I think about it. <laughs> nice. It's a good one. Anyway, um, also, last time I talked about uh, coming to America, we got to watch it. Oh, yeah. um, nice. The, the OG, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so good. Still impressed with uh, Eddie Murphy and Arsenio Hall's performances and stuff. Arsenio uh, kills said, it. Oh, my God. Yeah. As I said last time I watched it, like, there are definitely a lot of questionable moments still in it where it's just like. Oh, yeah. Like, the one he, he's meeting women who want a date and he meets. A chick who really wants to fuck him, and he's like, "What? Oh, oh, oh no! Like, like the joke is a woman wants to have sex. What? I don't, I don't know." <laughs> anyway, okay. <laughs> but you know, some of the this stuff is still just really great. The McDowell stuff. They got the golden arches. We got the golden arcs. Like that. That's so great. good. Still funny. Sexual chocolate. <laughs> Sexual chocolate. Still hilarious. Yeah. Um. Uh, uh, we did watch a run of not exactly fun movies, I'd say, but all great movies. Sometimes uh, you're having too much fun, and you need to fucking tamp yeah, it down a little yeah, bit by you kicking your emotions just, in the uh-huh. dick. Yeah, like, gear down a little bit. Maybe slow it down. Uh, so we watched Magnolia. That one which, will do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still still high up on, on one of my favorite all-time movies, though... Uh, I would say uh, I think I like There Will Be Blood uh, even more. Uh, so it's not even my favorite Paul Thomas Anderson movie 
I might even like Boogie Nights more. Hell, <laughs> I don't know. I like Paul Thomas Anderson as a director. Yeah, and, he's got uh, some fucking films, man. Yeah, Boogie yeah. Nights might be my favorite overall. It's great. But it's great. Damn, man. man, that guy can make an emotional fucking roller coaster he sure can. Of a movie. Yeah, and Magnolia is a fucking kicking the dick over and over and over and over uh with a lot of just awesome performances fucking philip seymour hoffman's so good nice tom guy cruise. tom cruise <laughs> he, he fucking sucks as a real life person but god damn it that man is the guy is can act so his ass fucking off. good he is so well, good and the thing is is like he can act his ass off because there is no real tom cruise <laughs> right like, he like he's, he's a, a blank, fabrication right? yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know I, but I, I mean as far as i know uh aside from you know the problems of scientology and his opinions and things uh people do love working with him so at the very least he's not mean to people that's a that's a thing to say right that's a positive yeah, and, and you know <laughs> at least he's not too tall and taking up all the vertical space hey that's helpful we don't need yeah. that you know it'd be nice <laughs> if ceilings could be lower right i think so <laughs> i don't know um we also then uh, followed that up with Marcel the Shell with shoes on, which oh man, I I so know good. is is very good and so like sweet and gosh, you know, uh, uh, they just uh, the the thing that's going on that's interesting that you may not know if you're not keeping up with say Jenny Slate is that the the people who created Marcel the Shell with shoes on Jenny Slate and her husband at the time Dean forget his last name but he's the director of marcella show with shoes on they had actually been divorced for like four years when they made this movie oh. Oh, and the movie deals with divorce and is almost in fact directly addressing their divorce at times Whoa. Uh, yeah so it's like there's that additional emotional layer there that like was really coming through for me at knowing all the story there that it's it's yeah it's it's a it's a very heavy movie for a movie about a cute little shell with an adorable voice which is essentially just jenny slate doing a slightly childish voice uh just yeah. works out so perfectly it's a it's a, it's a lovely movie, movie. definitely it worth really watching is. it yeah. really really is like, like you said it, it is one of those very poignant um it's it's sweet and sad kind of melancholy yeah. sort of movies yeah. but it, it's a feel-good flicks definitely worth a watch it is yeah definitely check that one out um and then also on the depressing front i watched the newest season of black mirror <laughs> which is Ooh, great but I also heard. depressing um, oh dude that show's good at doing that <laughs> yeah yeah um but yeah i i i, I don't want to talk much about it i do I recommend watch it, yeah. it watch it it's okay. it's not it's not too long, though some of the episodes are like up to hour and a half, I think. Um, not too long, but you'll be you'll be drawn into each episode pretty quickly, and they're all great. And the first one has that uh, the the cute chick from uh, Shit's Creek. Fuck, yeah, 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 yeah. Alexa, she's yeah, she's she's so awesome, and it's Selma Hayek's in that episode too. It's oh, wow. it's great. You definitely, uh, th I think it's the first episode of the the new season. Once you, you see that, you'll just want to keep watching. Um, I know somebody's getting mad at their dashboard right now. I can't remember if it's Alexa or Alexis. I think it's Alexis. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, some some less 
uh, heady and less emotional stuff. Though, hey, you know, maybe a little bit emotional. We watched The Fast and the Furious because uh, here for Action August. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I was a uh, car popping a wheelie in case you didn't see Yeah, didn't absolutely. Uh, Anna and I are going to uh, are hell ranking the Fast and the Furious movie. So we, we begun the journey. Uh, and I'll tell you what. I think that the first movie is still the best motion picture like movie plot etc ever made that, no of the of the, <laughs> the franchise oh, um oh, okay. but it's nowhere near as entertaining as the movies get okay, um yeah yeah so uh it's it's got some great stuff and some awesome fucking like real stunts real cars blowing up great stuff uh it, it's it's still fast and the furious like it, it <laughs> I, I i wondered if going into it i would have a different opinion coming out the other side i don't i i still think it's a pretty solid action movie that is not as entertaining as the movies get but it is probably the most solid motion picture that doesn't have as much because like all the like all the things i kind of love about five and beyond is like there's so much ego involved and so many weird things they have to do because of ego. Like, especially mm. when the rock and Vin Diesel are on screen together, because there's a height disparity, but Vin Diesel refuses to be shown as shorter than the rock. So they have to do so <laughs> many weird fucking things. I don't know. I just think like the, the weirder the franchise gets, the more I like it. So See, I'm excited to watch to get the rest of them. Like, I think the farthest that we got is Tokyo Drift, because I remember during, oh, like, COVID land, yeah. we started watching them, because, like, HBO had them all, and it was like, yeah, whatever, let's fucking mm-hmm. watch these. And, like, we got through the first three of them, like, in a couple of consecutive weekends, and then they took them off of there, man. Wow. Uh, they're on Peacock now. So, if you got Peacock... Okay, I think I have Peacock, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you got Peacock, they're there. Uh, nice. I, I think, okay, 4 is not great, but it's Vin, Vin Diesel comes back. Uh, and 5 is, I think, when they start getting real fun. <laughs> like that's, Okay. Uh, yeah, so 4, four is not terrible, though. It's definitely, like, you're, you're going to... You're going to have a fun time. So, you, you should pick it back up. Because it, it is, like... It is just one of these, like anomalous series that like watching fast and the furious in this movie like in uh, blood sport that we're talking about today in close proximity it's like there's it, the bromance angle is so strong in both like there's so much like loving like interaction between men while also having high testosterone like competitiveness and it's it's like uh, I've I've heard people call it straight camp uh, that like mm, it is mm-hmm. it is people being straight to the the max degree to the point where it's campy <laughs> comical level it's yeah. comical it's ridiculous it's silly and that's what Fast and the Furious embodies so well whether you know whether that's what it's intending to do or you know the main audience doesn't look at it that way they just love it they're just fucking there for the ride of, of explosions and, and cars going fast. And that's great. 
but there's that Dude, added level camp. of fucking that. it's so it's so cishet that it's like insane it's just like clownish levels of straightness <laughs> <laughs> um then also we watch national treasure another like let's have some Hell fun yeah uh, i did that movie. recently yeah yeah that's kind of why it was on my mind because you had mentioned it recently i was like man i haven't seen that in a long time and uh you know i'll i'll reaffirm what you said a few episodes ago it's stupid fun it's dumb yes. fun it's a it dumb is, movie but i don't care i was the whole time i was picking it apart but i was having a blast like i was yes. just like like why <laughs> the the entire the entire movie is the these people have have worked together to discover this part of the treasure and then one is like, oh, shit, we got to find Declaration of Independence. And the other's like, I'll do that. And he's like, no, but if you do it, you'll destroy it. So I have to do it. Okay, I did it. <laughs> now that I've done it, we have no quarrel. We could yeah. work together. Oh, we're not going to. Sh- you're going to shoot at me for literally no reason. Gotcha. Cool. <laughs> Damn you for doing it. I was going to do it. Yeah, it's dumb as hell, but it's still fun. I don't care. Like, it's still fun. The thing that I noticed, though, that, like, you know, and thinking about, like, Indiana Jones, uh, because they're similar. Indiana Jones, Mm. though, like, National Treasure doesn't have a perspective. It doesn't have a point. It's just dumb fun. Like, Indiana Jones, at the very least, is like, Nazis are bad. Get it? Sure. <laughs> and like in in National Treasure, we're supposed to hate the one guy because again, he he would have destroyed the the Declaration of Independence. We think so. He deserves to go to jail at the end. Yeah, sure. <laughs> what? Why not? <laughs> anyway, still fun. It's so fun though. Still dude. Fun. It's a blast. Yeah, not even complaints. These are just observations. A bunch of other ones too. Have you watched any of the other ones? Uh, I've seen the sequel, but I, I um, that that one I haven't rewatched ever. I don't think. Okay. Um, but I would rewatch it. So you know, maybe we will. There's like a direct to Disney like third or fourth one that has like Selma Hayek as the star. I think. Oh, it's a it's a, a show. It came out last year. Yeah, it's what? got uh, it's got Riley uh, and yeah Selma Hayek, I believe. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe that's worth a watch. Yeah, maybe so. I don't know. I hadn't heard anything about it really. Um uh, and then also, finally, um the the finale, I guess, of the Venture Brothers came out. The uh, it, it's called Radiant is the Blood of the Baboon. And um boy, it was great. I I love that show, Venture Brothers. Amazing. I've uh, applauded it a million times here oh, on yeah. the show. Oh, yeah. You sang its praises to me for years, yeah. and I still have, I don't think, ever watched a single episode. Well, I've been waiting for it to all I finish, understand. is the thing. Steve. Well, there I've you go. Now, now you're set. Now they're taking it off of Max. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I really hope it's not entirely the end, because the the I believe the the creators own the, the rights to it. It's just that, that Adult Swim is no longer you know paying them to make it so right it would be interesting if they were to continue maybe making uh movies every once in a while as uh psych does the show psych which is 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 really fun yeah Yeah, um that that would be cool i'd like that uh, because it it did a good job of like 
wrapping things up without saying this is the end you know without like mm-hmm. destroying mm-hmm. the world or anything like there's still yeah, a ton yeah. of different things they could do so hopefully they do but uh if if not it's it is a fitting in to a show that uh had i think six seasons over a period of about 20 years but yeah, they're fucking say, worth the wait <laughs> they're wow, worth dude. the wait <laughs> okay well, yeah. one of these days I'll get around to it for sure, man. Especially if I'm going to be trying to make more time for fun time, leisure activity. Yeah, relax. Future Ben, fucking do uh-huh. it. <laughs> you need to really become T.O. Ben, as you said, when you yeah. came back from uh, Argentina, I believe, right? That's right, uh, yeah. yeah. So T.O. Ben over here, yeah, man. That's just me. Sipping on wine, chilling, maybe playing a video game or something. Who knows? I would love to do that. I actually, you know what? I, today I did myself some daytime book reading on the couch for fun. Oh, wow! That hey, uh, that needs to be applauded. That is fun. I'm reading The Shining finally. Oh yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. About halfway through, it's fucking awesome. Of course it Hell is. Oh yeah, man, that's awesome. I think I'm gonna crack myself open a co beer to help myself help myself as I call myself stay fun. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> you should help yourself to a cold beer. I got me uh, uh, spicy water over here, but oh, yeah? uh, I boy, I've had I've I've had uh, some good cold beers, and uh, we just talked about one just last week. That um, that Brujo, I talked about it just a little bit. That Brujo's brewing uh, the the thing that was uh, an IPA with the the Portland honey and whatnot. I only talked oh, yeah, about it a yeah. little bit, but then as I kept drinking it, man, that was so fucking good like nice. I, I see I, I i ceased talking about it because every time i take a sip of it it was like my brain was like yes that is what yes that's what it's supposed to taste like like nice i don't know you know what like when you have something that like it's it's so perfectly it tastes exactly the way it's supposed to in your mind i guess so it's not even outstanding it's just like yes correct <laughs> yeah, the like, correct Shit. answer, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's kind of how what I'm drinking is too, man. I've got myself a Toro Eoso. I decided to go with a Mexican style lager in honor of my trip. Oh, yeah. This is made by our good friends at Zool Brewing Company in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is just a light, delicious, Ooh. hot weather drinker. Just a nice little Mexican lager. So fucking good, man. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan, and Zool kills it. So I imagine that's delicious. So good, man. Well, you've had yourself a good week of watching, huh? Yeah, man. Yeah, we, we, we got into some good stuff. Hell yeah, man. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve. The movie that I watched this week was one, Blood's Port. The port <laughs> that belongs to Blood himself. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and again, if you're a first-time listener to the show, this is usually where we do the Preview Palace, which is a yep. themed segment mm-hmm. that goes along with the movie of choice. And, you know, with this movie, there were so many topics that we decided that rather than do a single topic Preview Palace, we do a Potpourri Palace, That's right. as we're fond of doing, uh-huh. in which we explore a number of different aspects of the featured film as we enter the Preview Palace. Welcome to the Preview Palace, Meemaw Bathroom Edition. You don't say. Yeah, because when I think of potpourri, I'm reminded of Meemaw Bathrooms. Totally. Because every Meemaw Bathroom growing up had potpourri, for sure. All of them. All. And you know what? Another essential, the um, the like crocheted Kleenex box cover, because God yes. forbid you look at the Kleenex box, I guess. <laughs> 
and oh my god this is real <laughs> the absorbent yeah. toilet seat cover oh god oh <laughs> my god dude what were Mima's doing What's going on, guys? What was happening back there? I got no idea, man. I got Jesus. no idea. Anyway. <laughs> the fucking puffy toilet seats were the absolute nightmare. Oh, like God. The soft, yeah, you cushy sit ones. down, and then it's just like, it, it's like farts as it yeah. like deflates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who in the fuck thought this was a good idea? It's the worst. It's no the idea. worst. They're like no creepy. They creep they me are. out. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. You don't want... Like, when you're going... To release your bowels, you're in a vulnerable moment. You sit down. You want it to be firm. You want it to be stable. Yeah. You don't want to be lowering. Sturdy. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. None of that, man. None of that. <laughs> well, anyway, as we enter the Potpourri Palace here, we're going to explore a variety of topics. Now, this is a movie that is just a absolutely solid, good time, Saturday afternoon watch. In it fact, is. That's true. You know, I was, I was kind of reminded as I started watching this movie that... I don't think that I had ever watched Bloodsport before. I think it's just one of those ones that was like on at friends' houses on yeah. Saturday afternoons, well, probably yes. on TBS uh-huh. or TNT, right? Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. All the and time. my friends knew the movie, and they'd be like, oh, wait, wait, hang on. You got to check this part out. His fucking shin bones comes out of his leg. And we'd watch <laughs> that part, and then it would be like back to video games, or I'd be like, right. I miss my mom. Uh-huh. And then we'd just <laughs> go along with it, you know? <laughs> Great Saturday yeah. afternoon watch, man. You got any other, like, what would you call as, like, the ultimate Saturday afternoon action watch? I think well, we I both think, know. Yeah, I think I think we even talked about it when we covered this movie, but Big Trouble in Little China. That's the one. Is, I think, yeah, it's the ultimate Saturday afternoon watch. It, it has the lazy feel of Saturday afternoon. Uh, it's it, it, it's, it's going to improve the moment, but it's also like it's not asking you to do anything. You just sit Mm-mm. there and enjoy it. You just yep. like watch it, and it's happening to you, and it's great. And that's kind of yep. what you know, as you said, like Saturday afternoon movie has to have that. It's got to happen to you. It can't be yeah. something you don't that have to you work gotta, at it. No, you can't be working too much at it. So something like over the top or. You know, a lot of JCVD movies really fit that bill too. Like there, there are movies that re- like the Saturday afternoon movie really just invites you in, happens to you, and then leaves you basically better than you were before. But That's right. you know, ready for lunch or whatever, you know. Oh <laughs> like yeah, ready, ready say, to like, have a meal. A secondary choice for me would be like a Point Break. I've had many a oh, yeah. Saturday uh-huh. afternoon improved by Point Wonderful. Break and with Canoe and goddamn uh-huh. Swayze, man. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great one. Yeah, and it's got that. It's got you know the beach scenes and whatnot. Just really like I don't know why it has why that to me like beach scenes, especially shot on film uh really feel like saturday to me <laughs> that that's oh, yeah. the day you got to watch a movie with a nice like uh dusk beach scene <laughs> you're gonna have a good time absolutely yeah all right next up on our potpourri palace let's talk here because obviously this movie was incredibly influential to the fighting games boom that started right. with yeah. uh, street fighter and led on into sure. mortal combat and mm-hmm. into the the you know huge variety of knockoffs that came after that yep now here's the thing though those games 
that we played so much in our childhood. Uh-huh. I'll tell you what. There's a there's a racial stereotype or two or fifteen <laughs> or two around and about all. Yeah, of them. yeah. There's a lot of them, and uh, I'll t- I'll talk uh, more about that when we're talking about the movie about like yeah. what I think the, those actually do. But there, uh, it's it's uncomfortable when you look at it. Even in the time, it was like, is this okay? Um, yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't okay, but, uh, there, yeah, there's so many characters like Dalsim, which is just, uh, uh, a strange amalgamation of stereotypes of, uh, Indian yeah. people. Like he, he, he can stretch, I guess, cause of yoga, he but blows, also yoga as a fighting style, <laughs> right? Uh, he blows fire out of his mouth cause Indian food is hot. Like I he, remember, like reading in the instruction manual, it was like Dalsim can project the yoga flame because he eats curry before every match. Right? <laughs> it was like really? <laughs> what? Yeah, and, and like uh, he even like he he like gets in the the uh, um fuck what is that pose where you sit with your legs? Oh, like the crossed. lotus position kind yeah, of thing when he, he does the and teleport floats. and wins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's like what? Yeah, the fuck? that was the first one that came to mind for me, which of yeah. course also reminded me of um, something we talked about long ago on the show. That the secret story of Dalsam is he's actually a, an abortion doctor. Yeah, that's why he has those little skulls around his neck. <laughs> yeah, the like, little baby skulls. These are the babies I've killed. <laughs> yeah, he just re- he stretches on up there into the womb and is like yoga abortion. <laughs> <laughs> that's Absolutely. where he gets the little baby skulls that's from. right see that's a better backstory because it's not it it's is. not racist it has nothing to do with the culture <laughs> it's just like oh this guy happens to be an abortioner all right um <laughs> i mean i remember like thanks to street fighter the first time that i ever met someone from brazil i, I was scared that they were going to electrocute me <laughs> yeah because that's the thing you can do yeah but i think blanca because like yeah you got i mean not to go deep because like uh, it's no fun going into the racial stereotypes because you got like T Hawk and and other mm. like Native American characters and oh dude ton- there was yeah. a rash of like Native American chief characters in fighting right. games there that yeah had, you had like, like T Hawk spiritual powers Fighter. yeah what was the Mortal uh, Kombat one it was like it was it Nightwolf <laughs> was that Nightwolf that was him Nightwolf? and he, yeah. he looked identical basically yeah. to T Hawk yeah. and then even fucking killer instinct in the 90s had like chief yeah. thunder or whatever and it's like right, again it's yeah. the same fucking character like yeah representation is great but it's like you have one thing to say and one thing only to say about that entire race and i guess that's all you can come up with yeah which is why blanca is great right because blanca makes no sense people from brazil <laughs> yeah, right. aren't green they don't electrify <laughs> no. you and then like when you find out his backstory it's like oh it's a he's an american kid named jimmy how did he turn Jimmy. green? What he was yeah. in the the forest, uh, the the rainforest, and that turned him green and gave it'll him electricity powers. Uh huh. Yeah, you okay. stayed on there long enough, it'll happen to you now. <laughs> That's a weird one, dude. You know, here's yeah. a funny one though. I want to talk about, and I feel like we can we can own this one up because it, it, it's us basically. But there's also. As these games were made by Japanese developers, there's uh, hilarious American stereotypes, and I yeah. can't even say that they're wrong at no, all. Like Guile in Street yeah. Fighter is like Mr. <laughs> USA. Of course yes. he'd be a military guy. Of course of he would. Of course. He's got a tattoo that's an American flag. Like Yeah. And just like he he also has because like Americans are often represented 
in like a, a anime is having like these like the the big blonde hair so he's giving yeah. the big blonde hair and stuff but it's still the military cut so it's like it's like a flat top if it was four feet high but like what the <laughs> fuck is it <laughs> but then there's also too like later on in street fighter you get the character of dan do you know dan oh god dan what is yeah. Dan? <laughs> so Dan is a knockoff Ken and Ryu character. So he well, does okay. all the same stuff. He's got the karate. So gi. they both do all the same stuff and he does the same stuff as them. But he does it much worse than them. And he like oh, sucks. Okay. Like he, he's a joke character is what he is because he is the American who's like super obsessed with Japanese culture, but is like missing the point of all of it and is very oh, bad at it. Well, that's really funny. Which again is it's a type. Like that's yeah. I can't even get mad at that one. It's like, well, well yeah, those do I exist. Mean, it's, it's basically <laughs> Frank Dukes, right? Like, yeah, what are you Frank about Dukes. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally, man. Oh man, there's some good ones. There's some bad ones. You know, there, yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, there there were definitely ones. Uh, uh, you know, it, like when you look at E Honda, it's like, is is that a good representation of sumo wrestling itself? It's like maybe not, but he is. I mean, he's shown as just like a badass wrestler who's famous. Like, yeah, like you know, some of the characters are just solid. There's not really an issue with them, but yeah, then some just fall directly into stereotype. That's right, man. Uh, speaking of Frank Dukes, let's talk about the lyingest liars ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of there are a lot of lying liars out there. Frank Dukes being way up there. I mean, Donald Trump. I mean, he's he's way up there. We've talked about him in the past when we did American Psycho and stuff about how oh, clearly yeah. he's being he's being referenced at times. That, uh, there, yeah, there, there's something interesting about these type of characters. What the guy, the catch me if you can guy, what was his name? Frank? Oh yeah, it, yeah, that was, was a crazy Frank one right there. Yeah, and, and it, know, it turned uh, out that entire movie is made up. He made that shit up. He really? conned us about being a con man. No shit. Yeah, I just read that recently. Crazy. That's crazy, man. <laughs> you know, the the lyingest liar that I'm kind of learning about right now, uh, Kate turned me on to it. She loves that uh, Robert Evans Behind the Bastards podcast. Yeah, great, great show. Uh-huh. They've got a six-part Vince McMahon series up now. Piece of shit, yeah. Holy shit. That guy is a lying-ass liar about everything. He is a huge piece of shit. And uh, learning his backstory, as well as like just the entire backstory of how wrestling came to be, is uh-huh. really, really fascinating, man. Check that out sometime. It's really good, yeah. dude. It is something, I mean, I've talked, you know, we, we probably bore some non-wrestling fans a lot with our wrestling talk. But yeah, I've talked about wrestling a, a lot in the past on this show and the the amount like people just forget that it starts with carny folk it starts with people yep. who are like they know they're not gonna be in town for long so they can you know uh it's lie built to you. on deceit yeah 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 they can lie to you so like yeah and the, and the old system before mcmahon started buying up all the territories was basically you you were always in character, and if you were a heel, you were a heel. But, you know, you're only going to be in this territory running this program for a while. Then you might move to the next territory where you're not a heel. Yep. Uh, and so, like, you're, you're always, like, uh, either in a city, everybody fucking hates you, or everybody fucking loves you. 
It's fascinating, man. Yeah. It's a really cool history, and they, they definitely dive into it there. But, yeah, Vince McMahon, lying ass liar. Yeah, piece of shit. <laughs> Real piece of shit. Yeah, there, there's a lot of uh, famous, famous liars out there. He he is up there, though. That man, he, he will do whatever. He will say whatever. I mean, that's it's a truth of billionaires, obviously. Like, you don't yeah. get there without doing whatever and saying whatever because – you got to be a piece of shit to want to have that much money. Honestly, you got to be a piece of shit to want to have more money than you could ever fucking spend in seven generations of people, uh, and still see people out on the street homeless. Like you, you got to be a piece of shit. So it's not a surprise. Uh, I definitely haven't, uh, I listened to the first episode. I haven't finished the entire behind the bastard cool. series on Vince McMahon, but I, I'm on it. Cause yeah, yeah that, that, like that it, podcast man. is great. If you, if you haven't listened to it. Totally. Hey, speaking of piece of shit, let's talk about butts. Let's talk about butts. <laughs> let's talk. How butts. about this completely unnecessary butt shot of JCVD that we get in this movie? Just yeah, just butt. Like the camera like moves over to him, and he's totally like paused with his drawers mm-hmm. halfway down his ass crack, and he's like, "Okay, are we rolling now? Uh-huh. All right." And then like hikes him up, just. But dude, how about an right. unnecessary butt shot in a movie? What comes to mind for you? Boy, I mean there there are several unnecessary butt shots. I mean, it's it's hard sometimes cuz uh, you know, as uh, we we often are very pro nudity whenever it's women. Uh and so when it's men it's like, well, is it unnecessary? Is there supposed to be titillating? I mm. I think this is supposed to be titillating, right? Uh, I think so. so. I, I guess, you know, like it's supposed to be titillating, even though it seems unnecessary. So, you know, there's there's shots like Arnold's ass in, in the Terminator. Yeah. It's like, yeah. is that unnecessary? Is it necessary? I, I think that's know, necessary nudity. It's a necessary ass shot, right? You need to know that he's butt ass naked when he walks into that bar. You need to know why right. these people are giving him these looks. So I think that's right. a necessary butt. He's hanging dong. He's ass out. You need to know that. I mean, what's a good unnecessary one? What, what can oh, we how claim about, just can't and doesn't need to be seen? Okay. That ladies' man, Tom Atkins ass in a halloween three season of a witch what did his butt add to that movie (laughs) i guarantee you right now we got several listeners who are gonna vehemently disagree with you tom atkins (laughs) is a horror heartthrob uh he is it's true yeah it is yeah it is a little controversial though like why is that there what's going on here but you know what listen it's the same thing i was just saying like, hey, you got sometime you got to give one to the ladies. You show Tom Atkins' ass. There you go, boom. <laughs> I mean, obviously, ladies love Tom Atkins. That has been That's established. True. Everyone knows that. L L T A. What about uh? Is it in Batman and Robin? They have like the suit up montage yes, and it has all those super unnecessary shots. butt close ups. Yes. That's unnecessary, right? Yes, they do a close up of all of their butts. All of for them for some reason. Okay, thanks. <laughs> I mean. Look, there it is. Uh, some might say that Danny DeVito's ass in that episode of Always Sunny when he's oh, uh, no, has them sew him into the couch is unnecessary, but I think it's necessary. entirely necessary. Yeah. Oh, it sells the joke so hard. That makes it's it better. So good. 
It's so That's good. mandatory. I'm not even going to say necessary. I'm going to say mandatory. <laughs> mandatory. Danny DeVito <laughs> ass is mandatory. <laughs> when he slips out of that couch, dude. My God. It's so hot it's in there. so fucking oh, It's so yeah. good. What do you know about splits, dude? Oh, Doing man. Some splits. Woof. I'll tell you what. Like, you know, our guy, uh, our guy JCVD, he's a split master. He does seven. In this movie, Seven very, splits. very necessary splits that yep. we, we needed entirely. <laughs> um, I don't know who who else is is a is a great splitter. Um, Brexit, Brexit did it. Uh huh. <laughs> Controversial choice, maybe, maybe yeah. not. I don't know. I, don't I know. mean, Leatherface <laughs> seems to split them bodies up pretty good. Oh he man, does. a best split, real easy. This one's easy. Bone tomahawk. I was gonna say bone tomahawk. Yeah, you got me thinking <laughs> yeah. the same fucking yeah. thing. That is an unbeatable <laughs> split. You know, unless you're just talking about a fully acrobatic entertainment based split. In sure, which case, okay. there is no contest. The winner is. David Lee fucking Roth, dude. There's no oh, contest. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get, might as well jump. And while you're might jumping, as well. might as well split. Might as well split. Split. Ouch. My crotch. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right, man. David Lee Roth. That dude fucking, he could split. That's for sure. Hell of a split. Hell of uh-huh. a split, man. We got a Forrest Whitaker showing up in this, kind of un, you know, uh, <laughs> underwhelmingly, I guess you could say, you know. Uh, yeah, because he, yeah, he's uh, he's already done uh, significant stuff and and recognized as as a great actor. Why is he, why is he in Bloodsport? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, well, I I think I think you know really the the answer is oh, it's a free trip to Hong Kong. Be fun, right? You know. Yeah. 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 yeah right. Totally. Yeah. But sometimes yeah, he, he shows make up a lot in underwhelming movies, though, because he's a good actor. Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes he's he is in some garbage, man. Remember when we did fucking Species on the show, and he was that psychic <laughs> for some reason? <laughs> what? The, the, the psychic who reads the alien's mind and tells us stuff that's pretty fucking obvious without him saying anything. <laughs> the alien's thinking about a bone train. <laughs> What? That's very helpful. Thank you. Thank you. What is a bone train, sir? <laughs> yeah, please explain the bone train, could you? Fucking species, dude. Yeah, uh, he was also in fucking Battlefield Earth, which is a movie I've never seen, that but from what I understand is what, just the worst. It, it, that is a real what the fuck. Like, why, 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 Forrest Whitaker? Why would you be in this Scientology movie? Uh, that is just bad. It's just a bad movie. Overall, he can't have looked at the script and been like, "Oh, good, this is good." Yeah. I wonder if it was just uh, a good, a good paying job. You know what I'm saying? Like they were, they were, they were paying the moolah, so it was worth it to be in a piece of shit. They were paying know. in Hubbard bucks, man. Yeah, the Hubbard buck. I, you know what? I the Scientologists got a lot of money. They probably did. They do have money. Yeah. Dole out yeah. a pretty good paycheck for being in in a movie that is i mean it was obviously it was it was it was controversial to be in it at the time yeah because it was like this is a scientology movie like what are you doing but well i don't know well you can have money as a religion when you your fucking followers have to pay to learn more about the religion so that is kind (laughs) of how that works and they gotta pay after you've revealed all your secrets that you know so they won't reveal all your secrets yeah like you sit down across from them and they're like tell me all your secrets and you're like oh that that felt good and they're like yeah now try to leave 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, that's exactly how that fucking works, dude. It's exactly how the entire thing works. Oh, my God. Hey, we got some food racing, racism in this movie. How about that? Yay! Food racism. <laughs> what do you think is the other worst food racism in a movie? Oh, man. I mean, Temple God. of Doom. It's got to be Temple of Doom, right? Temple of Doom brains. is rough. It is rough. Ooh. Yeah, it's just like, oh, yeah, like... I mean, because as again, when we we covered this movie, when we talked about it, it's like we're talking about Indian food here, right? Like Indian yeah. food. Like I, I don't care what region you're talking about, it fucking hits, man. It's and good. so much of it is vegetarian. Yeah, <laughs> like, why we're are we eating bugs monkey, and monkey brains, brains and shit? Like, what yeah, the fuck is going on, man? Yeah. But, Oh, man, it was just a time where you could be like, ooh, it's not a hamburger? It's scary. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Boomers. It's cra- Yeah, it's crazy because, like, this is still the era where, like, everybody's eating, like, canned foods and, like, frozen shit. Like, like hardly any household I went to was anyone making shit, like, from scratch, really. Everything yeah, yeah. was from a box or whatever. It's like, what? what is this elitism you got here? That barbecued <laughs> eel is gross to you. I know. It's delicious. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah, that's yeah, crazy. Temple of Doom definitely wins that one. Uh, you mentioned that you you really love the unintentionally funny faces of this film. <laughs> yeah, this movie has some of the best, like, slow-mo, unintentional, insane, funny faces that look like anime. Like, you know, we got uh, Chong Lee when he does, uh, you know, the the stomp there and his face is just like oh like ah. I, it's insane like there's there's so many times the uh like Jean-Claude Van Damme when he goes to do the dim mock to explode the the brick his face is crazy and then later when he's blinded and he's doing those like kicks like oh I, my God. I caught a couple of frames of it because his face is so fucking funny. Hilarious. It looks so silly because he's trying to pretend to be blind while also doing, I mean, a complicated series of kicks there. And, <laughs> like you do. And, yeah, his face just looks wild. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Dude, when you mentioned unintentionally funny face, like the first thing that came to mind, and it's outside of the box of, of movies, but... Man, if you've ever watched the music video for It's Raining Men by the Weather Girls, uh-huh. <laughs> pinned by Paul Schaefer, um, dude, there's this shot where it's just like, it's one of the girls that's singing the song, and it's like this slow turn, like she's on a Lazy Susan, and she just uh-huh. kind of rotates around in front of the camera. The look on her face is the fucking funniest shit ever. <laughs> she has the most awkward, like, am I doing it right face? <laughs> You gotta watch that video if you've not Music seen it. Videos it is the are one. a treasure trove of like great shots that like you know because the music video is edited together usually so like quickly and whatnot that you don't notice things. But if you pay attention, a lot of times you can tell. Oh, this is like all of these shots are one take. It's like, like you, you can tell people are like, wait, what am I doing? What's going on? <laughs> but it just moves so fast you don't notice. Uh, one of my faves, the Groove is in the Heart video. The best. Uh, it's just full of great faces and moments. My favorite is the the guy who, in the video, like you got the DJ, you got the singer, and then the guy who just dances, 
Yeah, uh, totally. He's killing it with the funny hype faces. That, the hype man's fucking murdering it with the funny Amazing. faces. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> hey, speaking of songs, this is the last one I want to talk about here in this, this Potpourri Palace right here. The soundtrack of this fucking movie is filled with some motivational hits. Oh, hell yeah. I'm talking mm-hmm. about fucking amazing stuff that's going to get you fired up and give you the drive to succeed. What is your big-time motivator song? What is a song that gets you fucking motivated, dude? Oh, man. Um, boy, I'll tell you what. That that song from Rocky Four, the montage song. Fuck boy. yeah. You're the best around. around. Yeah, who is that like again? Joe it's Joe Bean Esposito. There we go. That's right, man. Ooh, that that's one a good kills one, man. It. And and that's I, that is one of my favorite montages in the Rocky series. So yeah, yeah, that that song always reminds me of the montage, and it also just has that like vibe, like hell yeah, I am. I'm gonna do the thing, you know, run a bunch <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, whatever it is I need to do, yeah. I'm going to get it done now. That is a fucking <laughs> mega inspirational song for sure. Absolutely. What about you? Dude, it's got to be The Touch by Stan Bush. Like, you that's the, the only touch. answer. You got the power. Uh-huh. Hell yeah. yeah. So, that gets it. all of these songs that we're talking about, I actually have put into a playlist that I have used for a year or two now. I made it on Spotify. You can find it. It's called Big Time Motivation. Yeah. <laughs> and it is my biggest timest, most motivationalist songs that I put on whenever I need to get fired up. This is usually what I put on while I'm like getting dressed for a show or something. I put uh-huh. on my big time motivation playlist, which does start off with The Touch by Stan Bush. Oh, fuck yeah. And, uh, I'll tell you, it's got a lot of Stan Bush on there. I don't know if you've ever like just gone to the Stan Bush like Spotify channel and just no. listened to some of his stuff. It's like the guy like got a, a reading from a, a fortune teller that was like, "You must motivate the world," and he just made all of the most motivational songs. That's the only flavor his songs have is motivational. All of his songs <laughs> sound yeah. like that. All Rad. of them sound like they were written to be in a montage. They're fucking fantastic. That's awesome. Uh, also, I guess uh, because of uh, of Hot Rod, Europe, just any Europe song, oh, any <laughs> Europe song, toss on a Europe song. It's time to go. <laughs> <laughs> Cherokee, dude. Yeah, marching oh, on the trail of tears. Yeah, what the it's fuck? What? what? That yeah, one? that's a crazy. I yeah, still that- think, man, that that's just a pure masterpiece of comedy. In that the entire fucking soundtrack is Europe, except. They never use the final countdown. Never. That never is pull so out fucking funny. The final countdown at nope. all. Yeah. Mm-mm. Amazing. Yeah. Great. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, there you go, guys. A potpourri palace to go along with the movie of choice for today's episode, which once again is Blood's Port from That's 1988. Right. Is that right? Yeah, 1988. We're looking at uh, a Canon Films production here which uh, we've we've done some I, at the very least we've done texas chainsaw massacre 2 right. um and this is this is a movie i grew up on and saw i fucking millions of times probably nice because yeah huge i was a huge action uh movie fan as a kid really loved anything with a lot of montages and big into kick punching big into kick punching so love some jcvd we all love some kiaku plenty of kiaku in this movie plenty of kiaku in this Uh, 
there's uh, uh it was this and and um kickboxer i would say that i had on on repeat the most as far as jcvd movies um and this one is i you know it it's more fun than kickboxer the kickboxer does have the the dancing scene if you've ever seen at the very least the jcvd dancing uh gif it's from that scene which is silly as hell and fun but this one i think uh, is is the better of the two and has held up more for me i have a lot to say about it that is not uh, about how great it is there there's definitely some issues with this film right right yeah it's yeah so I get that. entertaining that it, it makes up for a lot which is kind of the way canon films made movies and we'll talk about mm. that in a little bit but th- this was you said the first time that you've watched this all the way through I think so. This should make for some interesting discussion because you've got the nostalgia factor for it where you watched it your entire childhood. And like I said, I've I've always been aware of it. Um, Uh And even like in adult life, it's like I've seen the gifts, I've heard the songs and stuff. So I kind of had like an idea in my head of what this movie was. Uh, but I don't have the nostalgia factor going for me, so I might as well have been seeing this for the first time because, yeah, I think this was the first time that I ever got to sit down and just check it out from start to finish and watch it under the objective, highly scrutinizing lens of the white male podcaster. So uh-huh. this is going to be interesting to uh, to talk about this one. But I didn't know that, you know, as we were kicking off Action August, we were doing it with a biographical film. Right, yep. <laughs> as this is the true story of Frank Dukes and Let's his exploits Let's talk fighting about in the Kumite. Dukes, who... Holy shit. Boy, okay, so Frank Dukes, um, he he served... Uh, the, here's the true story of, of Frank Dukes. He served in the Marines uh, and and uh, for, for a few years, and he also did know some martial arts. Uh, and and it was was capable enough in them. Um, here's what Frank Dukes wants you to believe about himself, <laughs> yeah. however, because that's about that's about all there is to actually say about <laughs> yeah. him. Because it turns out that like you know that kid that lived on all of our streets that was like a compulsive liar and yep. lied about everything Just and like said that his dad was Superman and uh-huh. shit. Like, yep. mm-hmm. Frank Dukes is just that kid all grown up. <laughs> He is. He is exactly that kid, all grown up. He um, he claims that he was trained by the the last ninja who happened to be his uh, neighbor. In um, convenient, yeah, who happened to be his neighbor after uh, he moved from Canada with his family to California. Now, when we talked about the last dragon which we did uh, last Action August. Enter the Dragon. Uh, and the, uh, oh, sorry. Enter, Enter the Dragon. Yeah, which we did last uh, uh, Action August. Th- this movie is obviously <laughs> doing a whole lot of Enter the Dragon. Um, oh, and, yeah. And it's, it's interesting because he's coming up. Frank Dukes is coming up in the same time I was talking about during the Enter the Dragon episode where in California, like... Uh, judo and kung fu and stuff like that was taking off like there were collegiate uh judo programs and, and whatnot that st- still exist uh and there were a lot of like uh training centers and things and so uh he's 
Frank Dukes is basically trying to establish himself among all these people who actually have like kickboxing records and fighting records and stuff. So um, he says he was trained by the last ninja in um, in uh, a style that uh, he named after himself. Uh, Sick. Yeah, that uh, basically is is just a, an integration of all styles, which is so interesting because Bruce Lee said that he he wanted to have no style, right? Yeah, it kind of yeah. sounds like what Bruce Lee did. And exactly. He just said, That's what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. But I named it different. Right. <laughs> and then also, uh, he he claimed that he then entered into a, a tournament called the the kumite which we see here in in the, this movie bloodsport uh, a tournament called uh, the kumite which he hey, said dude, here's uh-huh. the thing he didn't just enter it he entered it as a cia operative right trying uh-huh. to get down to the bad guys that right. are putting it on dude yes Badass. i forgot that yes in between he claims that uh he was in the marines or he was stationed in japan where he like then was recruited by the cia to do operations because of his superior martial arts abilities. Anyway, that eventually leads him to the Kumite tournament, which he says is a 60-round single elimination tournament. Let's just start there. Let's just start there before we even <laughs> let's get start with any, the, Let's start with the math else. on how tournaments let's start work and with how the math on numbers how tournaments work. work. Yep. <laughs> Uh, to, to solve, uh, the, the, the equation of how many people it would take to, to, uh, fill up a 60 round tournament, it would be two to the 60th power. You yeah, do that on your calculator, you're yeah. going to see that that number is too big for your calculator. Uh, yes. because it is more people than have ever existed on the planet earth. Yeah. It's like 72 quadrillion people. Like yeah. it's, it's insane. It's an insane <laughs> amount of people. That he says come together every five years in the Bahamas to fight in the Kumite, which is a tournament in which one could be killed uh, in, a, uh, in 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 the efforts to fight your opponent. Um, however, uh, also uh, you can just knock them out or just knock them off of the uh, the platform. <laughs> okay, or murder them, or murder them. <laughs> That's an option. Um, and he says, of course. That he not only established the record for most knockouts, which was 56. Apparently he had 56 knockouts in his 60-round effort to become the Kumite champion. Um, he uh, also set the record for fastest knockout, apparently. Sure. At 12 and seconds. biggest dick that's ever big-dicked. Ever. Uh, listen, they said seriously. he had the biggest one. Okay, so he's... Okay, so we get these stories from an article in black belt magazine back in the day so i just imagine there's a, a person who thinks of themselves as a journalist yeah a, a journalist taking of, this of, serious of, of of martial arts sitting across from this man writing down as he sits and says yeah i entered a tournament to the death 60 round single elimination yeah i beat everybody I did it the fastest anyone's ever done it, and I did it the best anyone's ever done it. And I was in the Marines, and I was so good, the CIA wanted me to do stuff, but they won't tell you about it, you know, because they got to disavow me because I'm so deadly. Now, wait a second here, Frank. I'm listening to your story, and it it sounds pretty wild and unbelievable. I'd like to get some credibility to to the sources here. Um, 
perhaps you could tell me whenever you, you you knocked one of these men out, how fast was your kick that knocked him unconscious? Seventy nine miles per hour. All right, I believe it. I, yeah. Okay, that's valid. <laughs> that's, that's valid. science. That's science. Science. You can't yeah, you argue with seventy nine miles per hour. All right, tell me what you did after that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uncritically just posted this, or like posted, uh, uh, published this shit, uh, and and several magazines like you know had stories about him. Eventually, people started like being like, "What the fuck are you talking? That's insane. That's not true. None of that's true." Um, and uh, yeah, he he still parlayed that into being a fight coordinator on three Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. Um, and Whoa. Yeah, uh, this one in particular, uh, where, boy, if you watch this movie, do you think the person who coordinated these fights knows how fights work? I don't know about <laughs> that necessarily. Yeah. It's if you like, put it that way. Yeah. yeah. It's like pro wrestling style fights, which is cool. It's fine. It's entertaining. But, but don't tell me it's really how this works. Yeah. Don't tell me like a death, a tournament to the death has people just like pausing to mug and like, you know, cheer up the crowd and shit. And like. yeah like i don't know it it, it's it's wild but here's the interesting thing that this not only you know we're going to talk about and talked about a little in the preview palace how this inspired you know fighting video games and stuff but this eventually became real this became mma like mma was very much inspired by this idea Right, yeah, any style, just put them them together, yeah. Any weight class, originally, no rules, no weight classes, just fucking any style, go. And that's that's what it was. It was was blood sport. Um, But it's not blood sport, because they're actually, like, fighting, you know? So when, it's the thing of, like, I remember back in the day when the first UFC stuff came out and we watched it. And it was like sometimes like holy shit that guy's punching that dude in the nuts like fifty times that's wild, um, but most of the time it was boring because MMA is is grappling and it's it's like a, a lot of like groundwork and stuff yep. a lot of the time a lot of rolling and, and, around yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, more recently, I think around twenty nineteen, uh, GCW the wrestling promotion started uh, a blood sport thing. That is, if you watch it, is basically blood sport. Like they they are doing really? they're doing wrestling, but it's a lot of people who do a lot of close, tight, strong style wrestling that looks real because a lot of times it is like painful and hurtful. Um, and it's it's matches between them in a ring without ropes, so it it kind of looks like the Kumite ring and stuff. It's, okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, go watch some of those matches. It's cool. I mean, uh, Nick Gage uh, has done a match. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, Good you Lord. know, it gets okay. bloody. Uh, yeah, so you know it gets fucking brutal, right? Yeah, but it's fun to watch because it is like Bloodsport because you know it's not real. You know, but they're still making it look good. They're making it look very real, and it looks like a fight, but it's not boring like an actual fight. Um, That's the crazy thing about Dukes, though, is like you said, even though he is like the lyingest liar, clearly full of shit dude ever, right? He somehow managed to get all this stuff accomplished, and it influenced 
so much other stuff that it's it's kind of bananas, man. Like my favorite yeah. my favorite Frank Duke story uh, that I dug up <laughs> earlier. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, it was an article that Kate sent me that was about him and all of his tall tales and shit. So. He said that after he won the Kumite, they awarded him with this, like, you know, ritual katana sword, like what JCVD uh-huh. gets at the end of this movie. Okay. And, but, you know, you can't see the sword anymore because he doesn't, he doesn't have the sword anymore because he sold it to okay. fund an operation to okay. free a uh-huh. bunch of children, okay. I think in, like, the Philippines that were being, like, trafficked by pirates. Okay. And so he, he beat the pirates and got the kids back, and now the kids are all grown up, and they're, like, his own little private army, and they're, like, willing to okay. kill for him at a moment's notice. So you can't <laughs> see the sword, but look at all that cool stuff that he did. <laughs> he Shredder? <laughs> what? Yeah, I guess he's Shredder. Yeah, that's... <laughs> All right, yeah, sure. Okay, Frank Dukes, you have a gang of children. Do they live in the sewers? Is that what's up? <laughs> like, who the fuck believes this shit? I, that's the thing, is it's fucking mind-blowing, man. Like, we're saying who the fuck believes this shit, but Donald Trump was president. You know, I was going to say, it's like, this was an era before Google and everyone was on cocaine, yeah. so it was kind of understandable-ish, but then yeah. you're like, well, then just 2016, look what fucking happened. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't think it's all that surprising that uh, a number of people believed it. What's yeah. uh, also not surprising to me, though, is that the, the martial arts community pretty quickly sniffed out as bullshit. Like, yeah, pe- yeah, people who are into martial arts tend to be at least mindful uh, and thoughtful in, in some way if they're not just out to kick shit out of somebody, you know? Uh, so mm-hmm. they, they caught on to his lies pretty quickly, though the people wanted to believe it. They wanted to believe it, but it's just such a basic, like, little kid-style lie right like it's so outlandish that it's like how can an adult believe this it doesn't make sense but yeah it's hilarious there's also all kinds of clips you can watch online of him like doing you know feats of strength where he's clearly just like destroying sugar glass shit like this is him like uh smashing a jack daniels bottle and it's like absolutely not real glass like at all (laughs) yeah yeah i um I, I think that, like, the fact that it's just based on lies or whatever, like, fine, whatever. It's it's okay. Um, because, like, it, it's kind of interesting to take somebody's insane lies and turn it into a movie that, if you think about it, the plot of it is guy kind of wants to do thing, and so he does thing. Like... That's basically you, it. Yeah, yeah. Like you kind yeah. of expose just how outlandish Frank Dukes' story is by showing the story. Cause it's like, that's, I mean, that's not even really a story, my guy. Like you just no. like, you, I, I needed to do the thing. I did it effortlessly. It was yeah. barely even an inconvenience. <laughs> right. It's like, why would you what? even advertise? I don't care. <laughs> like, okay, cool. You did that in a tournament I've never heard of. Way to go, man. Because there's really not necessarily any like struggles nope. necessarily for him not in this all. movie. Like he, he beats ass. He breaks the world record in the first match. Like yep. the only the only struggle in this is the B story where there's yeah. these military police that are after him. <laughs> but at the same time, like if you re-edited this movie to contain none of the the fucking 
uh, military police scenes. Yeah. It wouldn't matter at all. Like nope. they're after Doesn't they're after him. The they're like, oh, we got to bring him back because I guess the entire fucking military depends on Frank Dukes. Yeah, no. If he goes away and gets injured, they are crippled. The Ruskies will win. Like they'll that's win, it. dude. Yeah, this yeah. is eighty-eight. Yeah, like Moscow. Like the, communism hasn't fallen yet. They're they're worried. Frank Dukes gets hurt. It's over for us. And they even say, like, the government's put a lot of money into you. We intend to get our investment back. And it's like, that's not how the military looks at you at all, dude. No, <laughs> not even no, in not the least. at all. But it, it's no. also like, that. that is cryptic to me. What does that mean? They've put a lot of money into him. He was trained before he got there. Yeah. So. I don't know. What? Is Good he, question. Is he a cyborg? Is that Maybe? what's up? Six he million dollar man? Well, it I could don't know. be. That would explain some of the acting choices for sure. <laughs> but yeah, it's like at the end of the movie when they like catch up to him, he beats a bunch of a bunch of ass in front of him, and they're like uh-huh. kind of scared of him. And then he takes uh-huh. the tasers, and then they're like, "I guess we'll come to the match." I mean, we're already here, so. And they watch the match. They like root for him and stuff, right? even though he's like absolutely a deserter and should be getting like dishonorable discharge. They're sure, like, go, yeah, go JCVD. <laughs> and then they're like, "All right, time to go home." And he's like. Way ahead of you, fam. Already on the plane. <laughs> what? Why are they even there? Yeah, it, it's outrageous. It doesn't make any. And then the love story is absolutely <laughs> tacked on. Okay, to the, point the love that, story, dude. Yeah, like well, it Ugh. doesn't affect anything. With and the woman who doesn't even have a name until three quarters right. of the way through the movie. Yes, and also, like, literally, like, he he saves a damsel in distress and wins her. And she's yeah. like, yeah. Totally. That, you won me. Continue now. We Now we're in love <laughs> after the winning. <laughs> this is us now. Yeah. What the fuck? Okay. But then they don't even end up together at the end of the movie. Like, she no. stays, and he gets on the plane, <laughs> and she waves goodbye, and that's it. Like, yeah. I feel like they had to write a woman into it, because they're like, this whole thing is pretty homoerotic, right? It is. That That is undeniable. That is absolutely undeniable. That there there is a scene where a man has him in a bdsm position and there's romantic okay. music playing all right as they both sweat <laughs> and stare at each other and then Dude. eventually one of the anchors breaks and they're both just like yeah Ooh. like what the fuck just happened so that that montage of stuff where his his master uh tiger yeah, tanaka uh, is like training him and stuff and things are getting like increasingly crazier and he's like he starts off by kind of like paddling with that bamboo rod a little bit. It's uh-huh. like, ooh, ouch. Yeah. Ooh, can you take it? Stay focused. Uh-huh. Ooh. And then it gets down to, yeah, the whole like tying him up and the rope thing and all that. Like, yeah. I'm just totally seeing some time where, it, <laughs> you know, they're going through this training and Tanaka is kind of like maybe feeling some new things he's never felt before. And he's like, hang on. I, I just want to try something. Here, just try this. I just want to try something. Yeah, what is it supposed to be doing? It's not stretching him because he's supposed to be resisting it. <laughs> so, like, what is he? What's the exercise? How is he I think training? What, I think what we didn't see is like we didn't see Tanaka like getting his like Polaroid camera out to like take some pictures and uh-huh. stuff. And <laughs> he's like, now let's do one without the gi. Mm. Yeah, yeah. You're a dirty boy. You deserve to be tied up. He was trying some stuff, uh-huh. dude. Okay. 
fucking JCVD and our man Action Jackson that we have in this, Jackson, who's fucking amazing, they have so much more chemistry on screen than JCVD and Janice, the reporter, right? Yeah, the the only flirty moments are between JCVD and the the co- the police that are chasing him. Oh, they're and flirting hard, dude. Even yeah, while the, they're chasing him, and yeah, he's like, chasing, "I'll do a little pose. I'll run away." Right? Ooh. He's doing like boyish <laughs> little like how cute am I things. And yeah, the song dude. Playing is a rom com like this is they're falling in love type of song. Yes, the soundtrack is telling you a lot here (laughs) dude jackson and him just need to get it over with and just fucking roll around and and wrestle in the dark they need to go ahead and get it done jackson is so supportive Uh of jcvd he is his biggest fan like when he wins he's looking at his buddy being like did you see that buddy and then when jcvd wins he's like way to go that's my friend that's my friend yeah uh their their first interaction um jcvd of course uh they're they're playing a karate game in the arcade cabinet and of course because he's good at karate in real life he's good at it in the arcade Um, that's how that works yeah and so he he beats uh uh jackson and then jackson is like he he's basically like you like that and then yeah, he's like, he's like you, you like this kind of fighting, again? don't you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, wait, he's like, what? you want to see some real fighting? Come watch me wrestle some men in the yeah. kimite. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's inviting him. Like, yeah, I want to show off my muscles to you and stuff type of thing. It's very, yeah, it's like, I mean, like we're dealing with a movie that I, w- I would say, I, and I haven't seen Barbie yet, but I would say it, it, it kind of is the anti barbie in some way right because this this new movie is dealing with patriarchy and dealing with like the way that men will exercise their their power and how they want destruction and and things like that and and that's that's kind of what this movie is all about it's like the only ways men interact is by beating the shit out of each other (laughs) or being romantically interested in each other very and, much so. Very yeah. much so. Oh, by the way, just in a moment of there's no truth in this art, uh, the game that they're playing is like Karate Champ, I think. Uh-huh. Uh, it's in single player mode while they're playing yeah. it, dude. Yeah. It's just fucking whack, man. No yeah, truth it is. In this yeah. Art. How are they, they going to try to put that past us? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. They really... like that, that scene at the very end of the movie where Janice and JCVD are visiting Jackson in the hospital and he's... Very unwisely drinking a beer, even though he clearly has like a concussion. Horrible yeah, idea. Just slamming beers in the hospital bed. And like JCVD and Jackson are sitting there right next to each other, talking about how they'll be there for each other anytime, anywhere. They love yeah. each other. Yep. It shows Janice for a second, and the look on her face is like, should I leave? Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because the movie seems aware of some things. Like that that face right there really is like is something going on here and yes like and 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 this is uh, i guess tangential not not exactly related to what we're talking about when like chong lee uh is a villain in the movie because we're told he's a villain he doesn't do anything necessarily wrong i I will talk about that but yeah okay so so jackson gets up for his first match 
you know, smashes the dude's nose in or whatever, and then turns to Chong Lee. They have had no interactions up to this point. Zero. Turns to Chong Lee and says, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> Specifically, Chong Lee's face is actually hilarious. Yeah, look at his face. It, look at her face in the scene. Look at his face. I think the filmmakers know how over the top and stupid this is in some way because, like, Chong Lee's face is like, what? What the fuck? Like, where did this come from? Like, uh, why? Why are you going to kill me? Here's the thing, though. Like, it's easy to look at you know Janice's role in this as being the we need to establish that. He's a manly man. He likes the ladies, chicks, whatever. Right. But at the same time, the message that it really ends up telling you is like, all right, look at JCD, uh, JCVD and Jackson. Look at their relationship. Uh-huh. Your bros yeah. have your back. He'll be there for you anytime, right. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Super, super tight. And then look at his relationship with Janice that develops where she's like, I'm a reporter to cover this Kumite. Oh, mm-hmm. I kind of like you. I think you should not do the thing that you're here to do. Actually, I want to get the whole tournament shut down. Like her thing, <laughs> it, like her entire role is girls make you want to quit the thing that you like right. to do. Meanwhile, exactly. your boys got your back. Like that's yeah. what they're saying about girls. It's not even it's, doing it right. It's so insane because like they have no chemistry. There, there's no there's no development of relationship as i said he basically just owns her he wins her because he saved her from uh hussein like that's it he, he and then the next morning she's laying there with the covers up to her chin and it shows us his ass <laughs> yeah yeah because the movie the movie yes I, it's like i i think because we're, we're talking about the director of this movie is is Newt Arnold, who only directed like three movies, but he predominantly was an assistant director throughout his career, oh. and he worked on like he 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 worked on some big names like The Godfather Part Two, for which oh, he shit. won a Directors Guild of America award for assistant directing. Uh, he worked on Blade Runner, worked on uh, The Goonies, worked on 16 Candles, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Holy shit. Tons Everything. of things up to this point and after this point. But um, he worked on so much stuff. He he obviously is competent and good at directing. It, it's like, it, it feels almost like he took this job, saw the script, and was like, yeah, this is he's based on a true story. This guy's full of shit. Uh, and he started making a movie, and he was just like, I'm just going to embrace the homoeroticism of the action film and just go with it, right? Like You're, you're saying on. he was kind of like, like fucking uh, like, like Michelangelo when the church would hire him. He'd be like, could you paint these Bible scenes? And he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, I can put, put a bunch, a bunch of dicks, dicks on your it, ceiling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'll tell I you think, a story. I'm going to yeah, make you gay, I, but yeah. <laughs> I, I really think that maybe, because like, it's, it's well shot. I mean, we're not yeah, talking totally. about a good script. We're not talking about like the best acting job from everybody, nope. but Mm-mm. it's well shot. And I think the director knows what he's doing with like the choices that he's making to it, like really amp up the homoerotic subtext. Okay, uh, I got I got one for you. Let's start right here. So Jackson, the first time that we're introduced to him, right? Uh-huh. Well, not the first time, but the first time that he and JCVD are around each other. Before they discover their ultimate boyfriend, man love that they have right. for each other. Uh-huh. Like Jackson gets on that bus with his oh, Harley Davidson yeah. apparel and beer, and he sits down behind this Chinese girl and is like, and starts harassing her immediately. 
He does, but at yeah. the same time, he definitely has some real self-esteem problems with flirting with girls because he's like, uh-huh. "Hey, you want you want to go with a real big man, huh? No, huh? Like he immediately is like, "I yeah. didn't think so." He's like, "Yeah," immediately like, "You don't really want to do that, though, I do didn't you?" Think All right, about that. He yeah, he immediately knows a girl's not interested in him. Yeah. He has no confidence in himself. He's he's definitely like he he's got that that vibe to him of like. American on uh, vacation, you know, like where he's, yeah. he's just being like a real like stranger in a strange land and not, doesn't care about local customs and, and propriety or anything. And that's kind of his his whole character. I mean, even his fighting style. He's a bruiser. He's not brawler. He, t- yeah. he has no style. He just he if he catches you, you're fucked. That's it. Um, but yeah, he's he he definitely i didn't think about that he does present this like lack of confidence in that moment and it's almost like wait does he is he interested or is he doing the thing he thinks he's supposed to do he's going through the motions right even in that next scene when he and jcvd are playing that arcade game and uh, Van Damme just smokes and he beats his ass over right. and over. He's like, you want some more? Like immediately. Yeah, he's, he's not even turned down at all. You're right. Yeah. No, you're right. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck no, is that guy? Because he's got like, I think the most uh, uh, charisma of anybody uh, in the absolutely. movie. He's the most likable. Yeah. Donald Gibb is amazing. I love Donald Gibb. If, uh, you know, you're watching this movie and you're like, man, I know that guy from something. Yeah, you do. Look at his IMDb. He's in everything. Like, every really? everything. Like, he appeared on an episode of every single show you've ever seen. It seems like if they needed a convict or a biker, he's no in shit. it. Yeah. He was in, like, Revenge of the Nerds as well, right? Yeah, yeah. He plays Ogre in Revenge of the Nerds 1, 2, and 4. He was in Stripes, he was in Conan, he was in the A-Team, Magna P.I., Knight Rider, fucking... Fucking uh, everything, everything. like our childhoods. Yeah, he was, yes, and that's it. He He's in so many movies and shows that I watched throughout my childhood, and my mom, uh, my mom dated bikers as I was growing up, so I was around a lot of bikers, and he was alike a lot of bikers that I knew that were nice guys. So I always had like this affinity to him. But like I, I think he is the most charming actor in the entire film. He has the most totally. charisma. He brings the most, like he, he's the most believable in the role. Yeah, most likable sure. and just kind of sweet Absolutely. too, man. And you know, obviously, it's not at all exactly the same kind of parallel, but this does have a lot in common with with Enter the Dragon, which, like you said, we yeah. did last year uh-huh. on the show. So in my head, I was kind of comparing this all along to Enter the Dragon, where Bruce Lee, as our lead in that, obviously has so much fucking charisma and yeah. is just mm-hmm. electrifying every time yeah. he's on screen, whether it's the fighting or the dialogue. And I don't. I don't feel like Van Damme no. has even an ounce of that kind of charisma. No. no. Is that just Not me? No, he went to the the Dolph Lundgren school of acting for sure. Oh, dude. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> the acting, man, the acting in this. Now, obviously, you know, the guy can fucking fight. He's crazy agile. He's shredded as yeah. fuck in this. Mm-hmm. His physique is amazing. But, dude, yep. there were things that he was doing in this that were like, I don't even know how to explain this, dude. I was seeing people make acting choices where I was like, I didn't even know that you could 
make that seem fake. Like there's a scene in here where he like hugs somebody and I'm going like, that's not how you hug somebody. What? But you can like see the thought process where he's like, you approach the person, you wrap your arms around and then you sort of nod and let the hands go. That is how you hug. It's like, that thing, dude, yeah, it's that thing a where you get where he, too into your head yeah. about how am I supposed to do this every scene. Yeah. There's a scene where he winks and I'm like, that's not how people look when they <laughs> wink, dude. Like he looks like yeah. he's concentrating so hard. I'm like, and now close the one eye and open it. Yes. <laughs> success even seeing him pull up his undies it's like that doesn't look real dude like yeah, none it, of this i wonder right. if he was like wait what are undies because <laughs> like jcvd when we we talk about jcvd like we're talking about a real kickboxer a guy with like skill and ability and what legit ass beater yeah absolutely but when we talk about jcvd the man he just loves dancing and going to the clubs and stuff. Like he's, he does. He's that man. Uh, you know, like he's he's the he's muscles just from like Brussels, dude. The muscles from Brussels. He's a fun time guy. And later he gets some more charisma in his acting ability, but not. He never gets great. But he. This is his first starring role. And oh wow! I, really? Yeah, like huh. he he hadn't he hadn't starred in anything uh you know he he shot as the predator for a while but they ended up not going with any of that footage he was um, in breaking he was he was he yeah he has some background parts and whatnot and in, interestingly looking through his imdb before this <laughs> he played in 1984 in a film named monaco fever he played a character who was listed as Gay Karate Man. <laughs> so, I, I okay. I here's a question that. I have. Yeah, <laughs> is he a karate man that's gay, right. or is he a man that practices some obscure style called yeah. gay karate? Yeah, and what I does that look that. like? <laughs> I wonder. I do wonder. That's exactly your style? what I was going to say. Gay karate. <laughs> gay karate. Yeah, it's you couldn't understand it. It's, it's very gay. Yeah, I don't know. Very yeah. insensitive. Highly insensitive. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think though that like he um he's just not ready to be the star of a movie like this but anytime it's a fight scene or the montages or whatever it's like well yeah that's why he's in this because he can do all this shit and he looks great doing it oh yeah yeah absolutely so and i'll tell you what he definitely does out act the younger version of himself that we get in that flashback that little french kid that's playing him dude holy shit when that flashback starts of them as kids breaking into tanaka's house it is a live action version of those e-bombs world gi joe psas yep Yep. Uh i swear to fucking god it's the kids breaking in they're like come on man you want to be cool you gotta steal something oh uh i don't know uh uh come on get the sword dude like Uh it feels like one of those fucking psas right really does and and i really just like it's uh, so he's supposed to be in in the movie he's french his his french family moved to california to grow vine to grow vine uh and tanaka of course (laughs) moved there to grow fish and they both grow children 
Um, they both grow children. That's how you'd say that, right? We're both growing children. Not we're both parents. We're both growing children. That's what I'm going to start referring to all of my friends that are parents that have kids and stuff. I'll be like, yeah. oh, you still growing the kids? You growing those growing? kids? Growing those doing? kids. You feeding them, watering them, getting them sun. <laughs> growing kids. What? Um, but okay, so so the kid clearly has a a french accent and also i don't know like like if the kid was trying to do a jean-claude van damme accent i or don't what, know whatever it comes across is it's hilarious it's weird and hilarious and the kid is also like in that awkward era of puberty where his arms are longer than the rest of him and yeah. his hands are too big and it doesn't look yeah. right because he has a little boy face it's <laughs> I, I it is it's mind-blowing when you watch it because again it seems like the director's making fun of jean-claude van damme it really feels like it <laughs> it <Yeah>. does <laughs> and tanaka just needs a french kid for his son to beat on <laughs> yeah what <laughs> <laughs> Okay, whatever. I for, you keep forgetting this is California because there's just like child abuse happening, right? And you're like, oh, maybe it's a different culture. I don't know. It's California. Like, yep. what? And his French family just agreed to like sell their kid off to get beaten. Yeah, up. whatever. Beat the shit out of him. I don't care. Whatever. Well, I yeah. Got Mind body spirit. Yeah. It's martial sciences, honey. We can't question martial it. Sciences. Martial sciences. I wonder if that was a Duke's thing. I'm not really up on martial arts and the lingo, but I wonder if that was a thing where he was just it like, be. it's not an art, it's a science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. And, and although, even though you know Tanaka's kid is getting all the training and getting to beat all the ass, he gets his ass beat at school by a couple of street tough kid bullies. Yeah, one of which is wearing a Bartles and James T-shirt. Which yeah, which I was is dying to laughing real bullies, about. Right? Like, <laughs> do you remember? This game was a twelve pack kid here. We're at the school. <laughs> Absolutely, the kids that were like the bullies in school. Their clothes were bought with Marlboro Miles or, you know, like, or they'd be wearing like a camel shirt or a Budweiser shirt or whatever. Dude, if you'd have known me back in the day, you'd have definitely seen me strutting some Marlboro Miles merchandise that my, that my father got by procuring Marlboro Miles. May he rest in peace. Uh, correlation? I don't know. Uh, they might be related. Could have been. My, my mom had a boyfriend who did that too. Uh, oh yeah. And he, but he didn't smoke. He would just ask everybody for their Marlboro Miles. <laughs> really? Yeah. He got so much shit with it. That's amazing, dude. Yeah. I think I told you before about my my buddy Luke, whose dad worked at the factory where they actually printed uh-huh. the Marlboro packs. Yes. Uh-huh. It was in Talbot, Tennessee, and yeah. like people were just stealing spools of the miles and just buying like the entire catalog five times. That's insane. I mean, uh. like I but it explains a lot. It explains like why there were so many kids at school wearing cigarette clothes. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Old smoker clothes, man. Smoker <laughs> yeah. clothes. Oh my god, dude. The Bartles and James though, it it fucks up the timeline because the the tournament's supposed to happen like before 1980. So like Bartles and James didn't exist until 1985, and also that that karate game cabinet wouldn't exist either. Yeah, yeah. There's no yeah, truth whatever. in this art, dude. There's yeah. just no truth in it. 
Doesn't take long to dig deep enough to find there's holes in this plot. What do <laughs> you know? Just a couple, just a couple, yeah. But then Karate Kid dies. We never really find out how, right? Yeah, it doesn't say how, but then we have a scene where he goes to see his master, and I guess his master's taking a nap. <laughs> but it's I I think the movie the movie's implying like because he's taking a nap, he must be sick and dying or something. But okay. he never dies or anything. I have so many questions about this, right? (laughs) Okay, here's one thing that I noticed. So, whenever he goes to the Tanaka house to see his former master, right? Miss Tanaka opens the door, greets him, and is like, Oh, I'll go check on him to see if you can visit him. JCVD walks into their living room and has a 15 minute flashback. Yeah. <laughs> is he just standing in their living room? Is she like waving her hand in front of his face? Like, I hope so. Frank, Frank, Do he's ready. Hello, where are you? He's ready. Um, <laughs> he's yeah, just flashing I, back. <laughs> I, I can't, I, uh, the, the, the montages, the flashbacks, etc. I, I can't really fault them because they do a thing that is really important with this script. They make a really thin, not great script uh, flow. They make the the yeah. they make like they really make up for the fact that there's not a lot of storytelling going on because you feel like stuff is happening. Well, if characters are like reflecting about right. those things that have happened in these flashbacks, you assume yeah. they must have importance and weight behind them, even though there's like. There's one flashback, it's a flashback montage in this movie where JCVD is on that bus after his girl is like trying to make him quit doing karate. And he's like thinking about all this stuff that we've already seen in the movie. It's flashbacks of 40 minutes ago in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a a montage (laughs) flashback of the montages we've seen up to that point. (laughs) I mean, that's meta, dude. It is, it is. And, And the thing is that like, it's also like so much of this stuff feels like anime like yeah over dramatic yeah yeah but even like the flashbacks and the flashback to flashbacks the montage of flashbacks the 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 lines sometimes like as you said like uh jackson saying you want to go out with me i bet you don't like that's that's very anime the way you just have the lines run quickly like that and whatnot like even the character of Jackson and so many of the other characters feel like anime characters. Absolutely. And I, I, I don't, I, I don't know how because I looked it up and I saw like people had done some stuff from Bloodsport in anime style, like some some artwork of it. I don't I bet know how some this has it too. Oh, for sure. I bet you there is. <laughs> I bet there is. But I don't know how this has never been turned into an anime because it, it, it really, like, I don't want this to ever be remade, though I know they were trying mm-hmm. to remake it. It doesn't need to be. It no, needs no, to no. be turned into an anime that just uh, eliminates the romance angle and has uh, Jackson and Duke's kiss at the Dude, end. Dude, yeah. turn this kumite into a kumite there you go yeah 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 yeah. like just really actually embrace the real romance going on and and fucking just have everything else be the same because i mean there are still there are just like so many images and stuff that look like perfect anime stills throughout this film it's it's great in in that way like when you look at it as anime and stuff and really start to think of it in that way it's like 
oh, okay, yeah, th- I, I, I'm, I'm getting into the style. I, I feel like if it had been a little more stylized and, and, and like, a little more over the top, because I think, like, Bolo is is going over the top. Like, his facial oh, yeah. expressions. And, yeah, Chong Lee is fucking over the top, like, really embracing it. If everybody had been to... And Jackson, too. Jackson is... He's over the top American like stereotype, etc. If there's a bunch of jobbers had, that are just kind of like oh, that's a guy yeah. in a karate gi, yeah. yeah, it's just like a bunch of dudes in like uh, black pants and a sash getting their ass kicked, and it's like, well, like we we do have some interesting characters, but, uh, but the only ones who talk are uh, Dukes, Jackson, Bolo, and Hussein. Yeah, uh, that's it. Uh, but there are there is like there's the sumo guy. There's the Muay Thai guy who he has a, a good bit of character without without like us ever having to talk to him. You know, like yeah. you see mm-hmm. that he's he's willing to fight dirty. He's willing to, to be kind of a, an asshole and stuff to win um, that. He's played by an actual Muay Thai boxer and his his, his stuff looks really good because, you know, oh, it definitely doing. does. Yeah. yeah. He and he and JCVD kind of have that kickoff where they're like just kicking yes. the fucking shit out of each other. <laughs> it's awesome. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, and of course, Bolo knows what he's doing in, in fight scenes and whatnot. So he looks great. Uh, Dude, but his, Bolo? More yeah. like Swolo. You God know what I mean? damn. Man, that, you are, are like, like his, his pecs. Like when you hear Dude. people say dinner plate nipples, it's an exaggeration. Like the nipples are big, but they're not the size of dinner plates. His pecs are the size of fucking dinner plates. Like they at, are. A, at a yeah. steakhouse. Like I just bet fucking a fucking huge. Dude, like that guy walks into a tattoo parlor, no shirt on. <laughs> Every tattoo artist just drops their gun and starts salivating. Oh, they're like that oh, canvas. Please. please. <laughs> He's so yeah. fucking jacked. It's yeah. insane. Uh-huh. Um, and you, and you have other characters that are kind of, kind of characters, you know, um, the, there's the, uh, the, he's shown in the opening montage, like breaking boards with a flying knee or whatever. Yeah. And I would call him like, uh, <laughs> the, the dad ninja, I guess, <laughs> like, cause he's like balding <laughs> in the yeah, front dude. and in the back. So like it, he doesn't like have any particular character except for dad, but they show him several times and he wins a couple. So it's like that character sticks out to me as dad. <laughs> I will say, and okay. I'm trying to think of how I can handle this as delicately and respectfully right. as possible. I know possible. what you're about to get to. Yep. Okay. Yes. <laughs> During that very opening, cause the movie opens with a montage of people right, training of for the fight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's one fighting style and one character in here that yeah. I'm immediately, I'm, I'm immediately faced with something that I've never seen before, which is can a fighting style look kind of racist? Cause it, it, it can, it does. It can and does because it was, uh, it was, you know, choreographed by Frank Dukes. It is not a real fighting style. It's something. We're talking, I mean, of course, about the the black competitor from Africa, I believe. Yeah, he, he, like, he yeah. jumps up in the tree and is karate chopping coconuts, yeah. and his, there, his style is all crazy. Yeah, there's that other black competitor later that Dukes fights. Um, yeah, he's like who a doesn't see. Kind of he's not like a racial stereotype. Just like intimidating dude, tall kickboxer, he's shredded guy. too. Yeah. And, and, and we got, we've also got, you know, uh, uh, um, fucking, uh, God damn it, uh, Forrest Whitaker. His character doesn't seem to be a stereotype. No. But huh. when it comes to this character, this is why I would say I put this all on Frank Dukes. Yeah. Because he's the one who choreographed the style. So he decided 
that there would be some sort of capoeira slash monkey style kung fu that this black character would do. Which and is a non-existent fighting style that he made up to yeah. suit a black character. Yeah, he's that not like representing a style from that yeah. area. Like if mm. that were it, it would be cool, but that's not what it is. It it is no. it is I feel like very clearly rooted in racism. Like not not like the movie does doesn't have any other racist shit going on to kind of corroborate <laughs> that. <laughs> yeah. That gave me pause, though. That made me feel kind of weird watching his fight scenes and stuff. Where I'm like, you really asked him to, to do this, and he committed to it. I mean, he, yeah. he, his his movements and stuff, yeah, are very great. fluid and very impressive. He's doing a great job with, yeah, something that that clearly, yeah, Dukes probably came up with uh, out of racism. But he, the the actor being asked to do it's fucking killing it. So. That, that's great. I, 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 I hate that it's like that. I do think, as I was saying in the preview palace, uh, I, I want to get into the the use of stereotype and, and why they are doing it, I think. It's not, I'm not defending it, but I think because in, say, a fighting game, you don't have story segments. You don't have time to introduce At least the back in the day, you did. Yeah, Now yeah, we yeah. do, but yeah, back sure, in the day, yeah. it was just like character select screen. Here's what he looks like. Here's what country he's from. That's yeah, all you get. Exactly. Uh, and, and so, like, you need the character to uh, tell a story just by the way they look. Yeah. And I mean, even, is- even like, let's start with Guile. It's like you, you select yeah. Guile on the character select screen, and it's like, okay, tank top, flat top, dog tags, camo pants, American army flag boots. tattoo. Yeah. Like yeah. It's like that tells you exactly who he is. G.I. Joe. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. G.I. Joe. That's it. Uh huh. So, like, it, what it's doing is they're, they're using the fact that people have stereotypes in their head loaded whether or not they're locked and loaded like they would be with a racist people know the stereotypes Mm -hmm. uh so you know you're telling a story by using the stereotype what story that is is almost always the negative of the stereotype right that's the problem right yeah yeah, they're not (laughs) yeah they're not leaning on like any anything that might be positive it's almost i mean stereotypes are not positive because they're lumping everybody together but that they're never leaning into the positive thing they're always like using it as a shorthand to tell you a story quickly and it oftentimes it just immediately falls into racism or sexism yeah, or what, whatever ism there is yeah it does man that's not the only place that this movie sets uh, a couple toes into racism though no, there's uh, no, it's not. the ever-present 80s food racism we mentioned that in the preview palace yeah. as well where our two mm-hmm. military police agents are uh, you know, fumbling around with chopsticks. Oh, what are these goofy things they yeah, use over here? And they're joking on. around about <laughs> how's your broiled eel or whatever it is that they're eating. And it's like it looks good. It's like fucking some yeah, some it looks like barbecue eels and fuck yeah, barbecue eels delicious, dude. Yes, it's fantastic. It is. And then, like, he tosses his leftovers to the dog, and the dog won't even eat it. And it's a Chinese dog. Come on, dude. Like that's cold, man. And the, 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 they also make the statement, like, he says, like, uh, uh, he says something about not wanting to eat it while it's still alive. And it's like, oh, so that's like a sushi joke, I guess. But you're in Hong Kong. And also, that's barbecued to shit. Like, it's yeah. cooked. What do you mean? 
What, like, what is the what is the point you're making here? Like, nobody looks at a barbecued eel and goes like, oh, that's still alive. What? Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. I didn't even think about it that way. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that's, that's pretty there for sure. Yeah, the, that racism's there. But you also have the overall, like, story. Uh, let's go back to Teen Wolf, right? Like, it, it's, it's the white guy who comes in and he's better than everyone else at martial arts. Like yeah, he kind of does that. Yeah. yeah, he's the mighty whitey trope. Like he is <laughs> somehow whitey. <laughs> yeah, he's somehow better at this than all of these other people who are from the cultures that the martial arts come from. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and like this fucking tournament has existed for two hundred years, and he walks uh-huh. in the room and gets the world record that has yeah. ever existed yeah. ever first yeah. fight. Like he's he's Mary Sue as fuck, right? Like he's yeah. supposed to be the most perfect, most amazing. He walks in, gets every record, doesn't really have any real issues, doesn't have any real problems, gets everything he wants. The end. <laughs> okay, that's basically it. USA, right. USA. <laughs> USA. <laughs> yes. Now he can go fight the commies. Yay. Why is Chong Lee the bad guy? Because like when you're it's, watching uh, this, I don't know. It's know, questionable. He, he gets, the, the bad guy camera angles he gets the bad guy music and it's like okay up until the very end of the movie where he i guess he cheats by blinding jcvd with that secret tablet or whatever right it uh-huh. seems like although his style is is brutal and he uses a lot of force i mean that's what you're signing up for with the kumite it's, right yeah, it's a murder tournament like what yeah, did you expect to walk in to a tournament where it's like, yeah, you might die, and if you do, you lose. <laughs> so Gosh, we didn't mean it, though. Gosh, right? Jeez. Uh, and, and also, as I said before, like Jackson is the one who says he's gonna kill him. Yeah, Jackson comes in a murderer. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to murder you if I get the chance. Like, so yeah. And and all he knows, all Bolo knows, Chong Lee, is that those two are best friends. And that when he beats up the guy who's trying to murder him, his friend is like, I'm going to fucking kill you for that. Like, what? <laughs> Whoa, what? Yeah, so it's I, a little wild, know. man. It seems like he's just kind of like a really good fighter and he's the guy that holds the championship or whatever. But yeah. Okay. Even, even whenever he cheats at the end of, yeah. of the match with JCVD... It makes me question what the rules actually are. Yeah, because if me you too. go back and watch it, dude, Van Damme How would you starts not see the it? fight by yeah. jumping off the ref. Right. He does a, yeah. a jumping kick off of the referee's back. I don't. I, I mean, there's no point where they present any rule except that defeat is either being uh, knocked out, submitted, knocked off the platform. Which okay, that's the easiest right. one. Seems like or murdered. Those murdered are the death, only yeah. rules I gather that there are. So I don't even know if using a pill to blind your opponent is against the rules because it happens in clear view of everyone, and no I one love says so anything. much of this too. After he's blinded, he re- he resorts back to his training and he utilizes his blind waitress style that Tanaka <laughs> taught him. <laughs> As he served to knock in his wife tea Blind and biscuits tea or whatever. service will teach you. <laughs> yeah, dude. He res- resorts to that style, which is hilarious. Yeah. But also, too, this is one of my favorite things in movies, dude. You're not really blind in a movie unless you stick your arms straight out and palms out, fingers out, sort of like yeah. wave them around. Right, uh-huh. 
if you're a character that has just accidentally crunched their glasses on the ground, there you have you to go. do that first. You got to do that. You have that. to arms out, uh-huh. represent, I can't see anything, I'm going to put my arms out. And then, so even after he beats Chong Li's uh, ass with his blind waitress style, there's that scene where like he's trying to get him to submit, and he kind of has him in sort of like this, you know, semi-headlock. Uh-huh. As he's going, say it, say it, to get him to submit... What cracks me up is he's got Chong Li's head in his hands, uh-huh. but because he's blinded, his eyes are darting around left and right like crazy as if he doesn't know where he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love his blind acting because it really is, is just like, well, you know where his head is. It's in your hands. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's like a foot away from your face. And he's like standing left and right, like wherever you are, so you yeah. son of a bitch, you better yeah. see it. <laughs> and I, I, I want to go back a little bit to Chong Lee being the villain. And people are probably thinking like, well, he's obviously the villain. Everybody in the fucking tournament is the villain, is what I'm saying. That's mm. my point. They're, they're, when you join a murder tournament, you're a villain. That's it. Okay, yeah. That's how you that don't works. have to do the murder tournament. <laughs> no There's one's more making like, you do a murder no. tournament. <laughs> and I should imagine, especially if you're like a true practitioner of the arts, there are more organized honorable ways to go about winning um you know honor and your title than okay secret murder tournament let's call it air quote (laughs) secret because everybody the fuck knows about it everybody there's a huge crowd of people who all know chong lee so like he must like he must have done a kumite in the past because he already the first rule of kumite is you talk about kumite. <laughs> yeah, let everybody know about it. Second like rule of kumite: bring a friend. <laughs> <laughs> to be one, ask one. <laughs> it's fucking Freemason rules, I think. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> everybody knows about it. Yeah, everybody knows about it. Everybody's hip to it, uh, except for the journalist who has been sent to cover it. Um, and she keeps asking everybody, like, hey, what's going on with this Kumite? Hey, what's the deal with the Kumite? You fighting in the Kumite? Um, and then when she finally gets in the Kumite, she seems surprised by the thing she knew she was going to. She's like, oh my yeah. God, they're hitting each other and shit. What's <laughs> happening? Stop hitting each other. It's awful. <laughs> Quit it. <laughs> I do Use love when words. She, she shows up later in that dress. Uh, that was yeah. rad. She's like oh, undercover, yeah. you know. Uh, and he, she tells him, "This is." The, I, I do think, like, despite the love story about not making any sense, there is some progressiveness to it. It's just like they met. They're both attractive, and they were like, "Yeah, let's fuck." And then they fucked, and then he, she shows up in that great dress, and she's like, "I'm pretending to try to fuck this guy," and he's like, "Yeah, cool. I don't care." And then, like, <laughs> that's it. Like they, they just had a one night stand, essentially. All that walking and, then, and talking and had nothing to do with it. <laughs> and then after the fight, he's like, "You want to go see my boyfriend? He's in the hospital." All right, yeah. Sure. <laughs> and she's like, "Pretty oh, progressive." Oh, boyfriend. Oh, I get it now. That's Got what it. her All face right, was. Yeah. That's what her face was. Was oh, okay, yeah. She was doing I the math, it. and she's like, yeah. oh. <laughs> "He's by." Got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got it. Nothing wrong with that, but just they now put it together. It. It's on yeah. me, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's on me. me. I should have noticed. Should have noticed. I just wanted some dick. I got it. That's good. Sweet. <laughs> There's some hilarious shit that happens during the tournament that that cracks me up so much. Like I think it's after the first match, after some blood gets spilled on the mat, and it's like blood on this you know stark white mat. 
there's like the referee guy uh-huh. and then there's like the the i guess the uh the matt janitor guy that's supposed to <laughs> yeah. clean up the ring <laughs> the or whatever match custodian yes yeah and like they're standing next to each other and the referee guy like points really directly at the red blood spot and the guy's uh-huh. like oh and starts cleaning it <laughs> yeah. as if he couldn't see it it's bright red blood on a white mat well, like and, you and need he- to point it out yeah, and let's be honest here. That man looks like a fucking werewolf in the midst of a transition. Yes, I, he did. I bet he could smell it. What do you mean he can't see You're it? You're probably right. He, yeah. Like, uh, I mean, later he's eating teeth. Like, what is this guy's deal? <laughs> okay, what's going on? Hussein gets his gold tooth knocked out, <laughs> yeah. and this guy's like, I can make a few bucks on that, but then does something that people don't do, which is bites a tooth he puts somebody yeah. else's tooth in his mouth like the, okay so the reason you would bite a piece of gold is if you heard it was pure gold because if you bite you'd leave an indention oh okay yeah. this is pure gold biting a gold tooth is not it's not pure gold it's not it's not gonna be pure gold and inside of it is a tooth is a human so, tooth <laughs> it's not gonna work out for you then what are you doing <laughs> it's at least gonna have a ton of germs all over it for sure and blood yeah yeah, yeah. i'm just guessing like it, it's a bad idea to put someone's gold tooth in your mouth and bite down just don't do it it really seems that way how come for the final fight between uh yeah bolo and john claude van damme they turned the the ring mat into like a like a hospital bed like a tempur-pedic right. bed where it like Which folds for comfort the thing he like trained on earlier yeah i'm not sure i mean i can see i can see a reason for it competitively because it adds just an interesting element like if someone's backing up they're kind of getting a higher ground than you so you got to be careful about you know walking forward into someone but that's just true on a flat surface so you know i yeah i don't know exactly what the purpose of the ring looking like that is though i feel like it's some frank dukes made up bullshit where he was like no the ring's not it's not like just a regular old ring it's like you know how like a hospital bed kind of folds <laughs> up on? it was like fighting on one of those things it's crazy man you ever fight on a hospital bed it's like that <laughs> frank dukes has got to be the guy that is like at every bar at like two uh-huh. thirty in the morning, that yeah. you end up sitting next to, and they just God start talking it. to yeah. you and telling the craziest up. fucking yeah. stories, and won't shut the fuck up. Like that's yeah. definitely him, right? Uh huh. Yeah, and, and it's like, yeah, I, I, you know, because there's uh, several versions of that. There's the version where you sit down next to somebody, and you can tell they're telling the truth, and it's entertaining and interesting, and you're like, "Fuck yeah, glad I'm talking to you." Yeah. And then there's the person where every word out of their mouth, you're like, "You're a fucking liar." And they you're won't a drunk, shut up. lying asshole. <laughs> and they just keep telling you their lies. And you're like, I just don't want to do this. Can I leave? And he said to me, his dicks, you know, like, put up your dicks. That's my name, Frank yeah. Dukes. Did he? Okay. Uh-huh. All right. All right. <laughs> Anyways, I sold the sword to help free some children that was a pirate's yeah. well, had. You like gotta. You, if, if pirates get a kid, you gotta sell the sword. Hey, man. Don't do. be giving me no sass. I could have one of them kill you at a moment's notice. Uh, don't listen, you go pissing me off, man. I'm not gonna. I don't want to fight a child army. I don't think I'd do well. I wouldn't if I was you. <laughs> karate, karate, karate. 
Oh, shit. No. <laughs> oh, watch out. <laughs> there it was. What do you think of the fights themselves? Obviously, this is the main attraction for this movie. I mean, there's very little story outside of there is a fighting tournament. So they definitely give us a lot of martial arts action. What do you think about the fight scenes and stuff? I, I mean, uh, I, as I said earlier, like Duke's clearly, you know, he choreographed them more like pro wrestling than actual fights. So we're not looking at, you know, fucking uh, the, the dynamic fight scenes of, say, like a Casino Royale or, uh, you know, John Wick, Rick, John Wick, Matrix. Yeah, Raid, Matrix, stuff like that. We're not looking at something that looks anything oh, man, the like it. Oh. Yeah. That's a great Holy one. shit, yeah. dude. If you want to talk about the best fight scenes you've ever seen. Absolutely. Holy fuck. The Raid yeah. and Ip Man as well. Ip Man oh, is Ip like Man's another great. Yeah. level. Holy great, shit. Great. Uh-huh. Like Something I'll say about the fight choreography in this. Like Obviously, there's some very talented uh, martial artists in here that are showing you real shit. And they're definitely yeah, very absolutely. skilled at what they're doing. Partially due to the fight choreography. Partially due to the editing. Like, okay. And again, I'm kind of spoiled because I just watched through the first three John Wick movies and saw all right. these insanely yeah. choreographed fight scenes where, you know, it'll be a still shot or at least a tracking shot, shot that lasts like two and a half minutes involving dozens of people doing incredibly complicated choreography that probably took months to rehearse. Right. Um, much less, you know, plot out and all that shit. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. in this probably due to the budget and stuff. It is a lot of like, okay, let's get a shot of this guy doing a flying kick. All right, that was dope. All right, now let's get a shot of the other guy doing a punch. Yeah. Okay, now let's change shots, and here's another roundhouse kick. Like, it's not a lot of one-shot fluid fighting dynamics. It's a lot of single-shot kind of shit. Does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. And it, it doesn't... Yeah, it doesn't feel like you're watching people fighting for their lives in any way. Like you're really you're really watching pro wrestling and and yeah. You're getting you're getting good spots and things, but it's not it doesn't look like a fight. There's some moments where they do cool stuff like uh there's a couple of guys, one guy that looks kind of like Faye Long, <laughs> like mm-hmm. is is they're doing. They're, it's kind of like they're both trying to stomp each other's feet, and it, it that that uh, bit looks really cool. Uh, there's, you know, as you said, the two dudes kicking the shit out of each other. Uh, John Claude Van Damme and uh, uh, the the Muay Thai guy just kicking the shit out of each other. There's some moments that are just real good, and I feel like in those moments the people doing them probably came up with it on their own because <laughs> in right? the other moments there's nothing like that. Uh, yeah, and I just yeah. don't feel I, I don't know that Duke's had the ability to come up with some of that stuff because the stuff mostly looks, as you said, just like a shot of somebody doing something to a shot of somebody reacting to it. And yeah, I don't know if, if he did do uh, some of the cooler moments, if he, he really was making those happen and it wasn't just the talented martial artists who were putting this all together, then good for him. But it, it mostly seems like. Yeah, he he didn't know what he was doing, and he was putting well, together granted, stuff that looks okay and it's entertaining, but it doesn't look great. Yeah, I mean, granted, that is also how they shot the dialogue for the movie. <laughs> it's like <laughs> yes! a conversation goes: the camera's on one person's face for their line, then the camera's on the other person's face for their line, then uh-huh. it's back to the first person's face yeah. for their line. <laughs> like uh-huh. that's kind of how they did the dialogue too. Well, so, it's because eh. there's so much ADR. You know, you get shots of people just listening. <laughs> <laughs> a <Yeah>. whole bunch. 
<laughs> yeah, I I think the ADR like it makes sense because that is uh, it's, uh, you come to expect it uh, with uh, these types of productions, but it, it's also like I've seen it done better in in so many other martial arts movies before this. Like, there's oh, yeah. no reason why at this point you you can't just shoot it in a way where. Uh, when the ADR is added, it's just going to look right or look close to right. Here, There's moments just, you where don't it even seems see like it. It, it's missing, too. Like, during those right. scenes where, like, especially when Bolo uh, Chong Li is doing his, like, victory celebration things, which right. so much look like a toddler that just yes. got, like, some mozzarella <laughs> sticks delivered to the yeah. table. Like, he's his so arms excited. just kind of go up and down. Like, he's just uh-huh. stoked. But, like, his mouth is making shouting looks like it looks yeah. like he's shouting like yeah but there's no sound coming out it's no. really strange <laughs> it is odd you might yeah you might want to add in just a scream there or something since otherwise it looks like he saw something horrifying off in the distance yeah. oh, he's like speechless oh, oh. yeah <laughs> it's funny man you know one thing that i was really hoping was going to be more important for this movie and i'm shocked that it wasn't is we had all this focus on the dim mock, on the death touch. Right, where, oh my god. <laughs> you know, it's the super secret Tanaka technique that JCVD is like right. a master of, uh-huh. and he can pull it off and stuff. He breaks that bottom brick effortlessly yeah. and all this. Like, I'm thinking to myself, like, it, it's during that last fight, right? And, mm. you know, he, he's down and out, He's he's been blinded, but he uses his uh, blind waitress style to win the match uh-huh. or whatever. Yeah. And at that point, I started going... Wait, we've not seen the dim mock really in play here. Like, okay. there was one part where it kind of looked like he hit the the big giant guy with it, but the it sumo didn't wrestler. do anything. Yeah, he used yeah. the dim mock on the sumo wrestler. So they they it was it, it was basically like they were like, oh, we introduced the dim mock earlier. We need to put it in a fight, and then they did it, and they were like, yeah, but you know that wouldn't that wouldn't be enough. Ultimately, so. <laughs> you'd need to do a split and punch him in the balls. Like, yeah. that's mightier than the dim mock is the fucking ball punch. Yeah, that's what we learn is that the secret technique is not as effective as punching someone in the nuts. So Play like, the hits, what, man. Play the hits. Again, it feels like a joke. It feels like, like, wait, what? Like, it's like Dukes told them this story and because he doesn't really know how narratives are supposed to work, he didn't realize, like, oh, I set up that dim mock. I should use it to win. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> it's like that thing where you introduce a gun early in a story, and you have to follow through if you show the gun, yeah. right? Yes! Yeah. It's exactly that, um, and it doesn't happen, and it means nothing. And it's like, it's also one of those things that, like, the dim mock was, like, advertised in like Black Belt Magazine and all, all those other magazines back in the day, like there'd be people advertising that they could teach it to you or whatever. Yeah. And it's just, it's bullshit. Like it's a made up thing from novels. It's not a real thing. No. And of, and course, of course, Frank Duke says he's he's a master of it. Yeah, well, wouldn't he be right? <laughs> but he can't so, even follow up on how badass it's supposed to be. He's like, yeah, and then I used the mock, but the guy was so tough it didn't work. But then I punched him in a ball. <laughs> <laughs> so what I was expecting to happen as that last fight scene is coming to a close and he gets Chong Li to submit, I expected that you know maybe Dukes would be showboating 
And then Chong Lee like gets up behind him and he's like going in to like do a dirty after the fight. I'm going to kick you in the back of the head or something. And uh-huh. then he twists around and give him the dim mock and like kill him or something. Absolutely. That's what was going to happen. Like the fucking the German guy at the end of Die Hard that pops up at the end. Yes, and, absolutely. Uh, it would have been perfect to have that. Happen. Yeah, that's what I nope. thought was going to happen. And it's like, no, he just won. No Dimok. <laughs> just one, and the Dimok means nothing. And yeah. <laughs> just stuff right. happened. Just stuff happened. Okay, yeah. there were montages, and you enjoyed it. Like that—that's how the film feels at the end. Like you—you you liked this. Just shut up. I okay. know. And I guess here's I the did. thing: <laughs> it's like even though I'm sitting here, you know, joking around about all the funny ass shit and how stupid a lot of this shit is. It's of fun. course, I goddamn had a good time it's, watching it's this a movie. Great time. Are you crazy? It's blood sport. Yeah, I don't. Ha- I don't have a problem rewatching it right now. I do. Fuck it. no. Uh, nope. Uh, it's got problems. It's not a ten, but it's entertaining no. as fuck. Like, and that's what it's supposed to be. It's like the. It's like the the typification of what Canon Films was supposed to be. I'll talk about Canon Films just a little bit. Canon Films, uh, kind of a kind of you know, uh, I've talked in the past about uh, you know uh, Roger Corman and how he would uh, you know get the distribution rights for good foreign films and then use uh, you know uh, funding or money he'd get from showing that to then fund movies that then he'd use to fund other movies etc always low budget always taking just sort of a a b-movie idea and doing it well um but not overly well and not at a huge budget and so canon Uh group's entire motto seemed to be uh, once Menachem Golan took over to just make takes like these these scripts that all the other studios had rejected, but that had some promise, something interesting that you can make for about you know three hundred thousand bucks or whatever, and you you make that, and then the money you make off that, you take it, you make the next movie, and you just keep doing that. And along the way, they picked up like the rights to certain things like Masters of the Universe and made a Masters of the Universe movie that's terrible and stars Dolph Lundgren, who's uh, horrendous at acting. But they didn't they didn't (laughs) think it would matter. They really thought it doesn't matter. Kids will come to see this. We'll definitely have a sequel, etc. They really just were expecting that. They also, you know. Uh, released like you know a sequel to TCM. They 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 found ways to release like horror movies and action movies and direct video stuff that just kept them going to make stuff like this that every once in a while would come out that would just hit huge. This I mean isn't even their biggest movie, but it made uh fifty million dollars off of like a, a two billion dollar budget. So it, it it's really like um. They were really just investing in the idea that people like movies. <laughs> like, they didn't really... <laughs> they, it, a lot of canon films are just... When you look at it, it's like, oh, it's not, it's not really good, but it's entertaining. That's what they're Somebody able to do a lot Somebody will buy a, a ticket, though. Somebody right, will buy yeah. a and, and they might enjoy it, and it might be something like this that they'll tell their friends about it and be like, no, actually, this one's really good. And you watch it, and you're like, yeah, it's cool. It's fun. Uh, I'll totally. rent this at the video store. And that's how they made a lot of their money along the way. And even at a certain point, uh, uh, had the rights to both Captain America and Spider-Man and made that Captain America movie that nobody really knows about. Uh, right. it, and then uh, maybe one of the best things they ever did 
they didn't make a Spider-Man movie, and then God. <laughs> once once the rights ran out, uh, Sam Raimi got to make a Spider-Man movie. So that was good. That was it's good. Better way that to go, way. Cannon. Yeah, it's better that way, man. <laughs> it is. You know, yeah. I'll tell you one thing: they didn't skimp on for this movie, though. Uh huh. Fucking soundtrack. Now going oh, it's into so good. this. I mean, it's I so knew good. the Stan Bush song, the one that we all know that goes with this, and it's fucking awesome. Kumite, Kumite, uh-huh. all that shit. It's awesome. It's on my Big Time Motivation soundtrack uh, playlist that I have on Spotify, but I didn't know about how much of the score would be awesome as shit, and this is fantastic. All of the like super 80s, super synthesizer electronic uh-huh. drums, like vaguely Asian, vaguely fighting game-ish sounding stuff is a fucking 10 it's fantastic yeah. yeah it's it fits the movie so perfectly like re-watching this it's like i know all these songs so well but i don't because they i was watching it with the captions on and the lyrics are coming up and i was like that's the lyrics to these songs yeah what <laughs> what how, huh? is this, how is this related to the kumite uh, but one mo- one of the songs is definitely related to Kumite, and we know because they got people chanting Kumite, Kumite, exactly. Kumite. That's how you know. It's so fucking good. <laughs> it's great. Love the soundtrack in this thing, man. It's it's a ton of fun, dude. It is yeah, a really, is. really, really fun movie. I mean, it's... I don't know. I see some people being like, it's the best action movie of all time, and it's like, no. it certainly is not. <laughs> no. Not even close. It's not, not even the even. best like martial arts movie not of all time. Not even close to anyway. that. Yeah. Nope. Huh. Not at all. But entertaining and it's like 90 minutes dude it's over as soon as it starts it is it is it is quick to the point you're not gonna be sitting around waiting for action a lot pacing is great yeah it's i yeah i don't have i don't have an issue with the entertainment quality of this film nope Uh uh-uh nope i will gladly rewatch it again hopefully on a lazy saturday where I can just kick back and maybe have a co-beer or an Aperol spritz and enjoy seeing some kick punching and some Kiyaku going on. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think uh, this is one I will, yeah, again, several more times in my life, just be like, yeah, time to turn on Bloodsport. Um, it's, uh, it's definitely not a movie that I think uh, couldn't have been improved or, or whatnot, but... I don't know that I need it to be right. Like I don't want I know, it. Right? I don't want it to be perfect. I don't need it to be. I want it to uh, be the stupid story of a, a man who wanted to do a thing and he did the thing with very little like resistance. <laughs> and I get to watch him beat ass. All right. Yeah, exactly. It's just a lot of like like vignette matches. It's fun. That's totally. I don't know. It's fun to see that. I agree, man. Are you ready to slap a rating on this thing? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what you gonna put on it, boy? I, I, you know, as I said, there, you know, it's got its issues. It's got a whole lot of issues, uh, from racism to uh, absolutely zero uh, uh, interesting women characters, etc. But it is a loving tale of two men who meet each other at a fighting tournament and uh, fall in love yeah <laughs> and that's nice and I, I, yeah. I like all the fighting in between so i'm gonna give this one i think about a seven and a half okay. with an yeah. entertainment quality that's that's high up there like uh, I get that. it's a seven and a half but it's, it's definitely entertaining as fuck i'm gonna go a little lower than you and again this might uh-huh. just be the lack of nostalgia talking because i've seen this movie 
twice now. I watched it last uh, night, and yeah. then I put it on again today while I was making lunch. I was making some great chicken caprice salad sandwiches that were just a delight, and I was like, you know what? I would uh, appreciate while making these sandwiches some kick punching. So I put it on again, and didn't at all hate watching it for the second yeah. time in less than 24 yeah. hours. It's like, all right, this is great. You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, but again, that's I don't why have it's up there for me, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I'm gonna say like six and a half for me is where I'm gonna yeah. put this. Six mm-hmm. and a half. Yeah, it's fair. And you know, I, I'm I'm glad we got to do it for sure. But I'm also glad that we're gonna get to some even better, more insane action movies oh, throughout dude. the rest of this month. Next week's installment is going to be a hoot and a holler and we're going to reveal right. that after we tell you guys to That's follow us right. on social media and stuff follow us on our instagram our twitter or what is it goddamn x by now oh what the right fuck? yeah fuck off uh-huh. this does kind of just solidify my entire idea that elon musk just deliberately flushed twitter down the toilet i think he just was yeah. like i'm forced into buying this cool i'll fucking wreck the entire thing you know i think it's I used, all deliberate i used to think that and now i just think He's a fucking idiot. He is a fucking idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Either just way, be that. it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, awful. But you can follow us on there and Instagram and, of course, our uh, our Patreon page where you can help support the show. You guys can find all those links on our Linktree page. Yep, but that absolutely. Patreon, that's the one you want to check out for show. Absolutely. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there. Become a patron on any level. You get access to our Patreon exclusive episodes. There's uh, Hell Rankers of Insidious up there uh from from last month and we will be hell ranking the uh fast and the furious movies this month so get on over there uh listen to them episodes uh if you want to become a patron on a five dollar level you can submit a movie to the smoking bowl and then once a month we draw from that smoking bowl and then we review that movie on the show and of course uh this month as in as all months you go ahead and throw an action movie in there if you want to uh it's always a fun time uh whether it springs up any time in the year or during action august so Whatever you've been wanting to put in there to make us watch. I mean, what did we do? We did Enter the Dragon last year for the uh, uh, Action August. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Drawing. Yeah, there was and a Patreon pick. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad that one happened because that was one that like I had thought of, but it was it was probably not high on the list of ones we would get to. And then when we did, I was like, God damn, this is so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. yeah, I look forward to seeing what somebody slips in there for the Action August smoking bowl. So head on over mm-hmm. there and start supporting the show and your boys. And be sure to tune in next week. We are talking about, oh man, one hell of a movie. It's got a, <laughs> oh, oh my gosh, werewolves, <laughs> Scientology, John, John John Walter. Walter. I'm Scientology. <laughs> and it's also got everybody's favorite monotone, deadpan, lunatic, Nicholas oh. Cage. <laughs> what could it yes. be, Steve? It's Face Off. Fucking That's Face right. Off. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. I want to watch it's it like insane. right now. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's, it is an insane movie. If you've never seen it, you don't know what you're getting into. Peach. I could eat a peach for hours. <laughs> insane. <laughs> insane movie. Excited to oh talk about it. Oh, my God. I'm so stoked. So that'll be a fun one. So be sure to tune in then for the second episode of Dead and Lovely during Action August. Action August. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
I'll be there as Uncle Ben. I'll be there as Hollywood Steve. We'll be dead and lovely. We'll see you guys then. Bye. Kiss me now. Kiss me now. Kiss me, bro. Kiss me, bro. <laughs> Do you think that um, just like there was a line maybe cut where Jackson looks at Dukes and he says, you know, the first time I saw you, my heart said, Mate. Ooh, oh, that's sweet. I, I surrender. So. I hope Aww. so. I hope so. It's gorgeous. It's lovely. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Now, Steve, you know that music and horror films are what I would call my main pursuits in life, but right. you may mm-hmm. not know I'm I'm a little bit of an amateur science buff myself. You are? Okay. Yeah. Let me, what, what have you been cooking up? Well, I like to stay on top of the newest discoveries in the scientific right. world and add mm-hmm. those to my list of other important uh, things that have you know emerged out of the scientific community. And uh, I came across... This new one that they just discovered the other day. I was going to see if you were aware of this. Are you ready? Okay. Mind-blowing. Mind-blowing stuff. I'm prepared. I'm prepared for my mind to blow. Let's go. Scientists have just discovered that for every body of cabbage, Mm there is an equally proportional amount of mayonnaise, a slightly less substantial amount of vinegar, Mm-hmm. and a smattering of salt and pepper, all in accordance to one divine principle uh-huh. that they've discovered that they're calling Cole's Law. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's Cole, Cole's mm-hmm. Law. Now, now it's a brilliant. I, I, I would say this, this law, it, it's, it's a little bit controversial in, in the scientific community to say that it must include celery uh, seed. It's gotta. Mm, yeah, that's unsubstantial. Unsubstantial. It's gotta. But, uh, you know, listen, there are those of us out there who even say a touch of mustard. A Whoa. touch of it. Touch of it. That's not been proven yet. That's not, not been proven. Been proven. A, no, that's, it's a that's, hot science, though. You know, Cole's <laughs> Law, it's, it's not written in stone yet. Right, We're still open right. to possibilities. <laughs> As you were ramping up Law. to it, I was like, oh, my God. I see where he's going, and it's gorgeous. <laughs> you can see the arc of the joke. Yeah, yeah, it was like <laughs> yeah Cole's Law is coming. Cole's Law. <laughs> That's so stupid. That's great. I love it. <laughs>